Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight I'd like to start off the show differently rather than starting off with a randomized intro and me going off the cuff. Something happened today that really set the tone um, for the rest of the day. I will be having a guest on our show, Charles Carroll, from Future uh, Firestar Pro Wrestling. And um, tonight, we would like to honor the people who lost their lives, the people who got hurt on the in the R line, uh, some freaking fracking lunatic decided he would like to shoot up the joint. He'd like to case the joint. I got fucking news for you. You picked the wrong group of people to tear down. I don't know what the fuck you was in here going on through your head, but to those who lost their lives, to those who got hurt, I mean, there's over 29 people hurt. And um, the details of the shooting... 29 hurt and, and identified as people of interest, and this is Sunset Park, okay? They are searching for a person of interest. There's a sharp rising Kenya as a 62-year-old who was uh, in connection with this whole thing. And, yes, this is beyond the tracks, and I would like to um, play a certain somebody uh, to those who went through this trauma, just know that it will get better. And um, normally I say this stuff for the end of the show. And like I said, Beyond the Tracks is a show that welcomes any and all platforms. Normally I don't do news. Normally I don't speak about politics. But tonight is a little different. It's going to be a mix of <clears throat> what's going on in this world. And we'll really... The real of this whole situation is as follows. When you have an individual who terrorizes and, and rented a U-Haul van and lived in Philadelphia or whatever to go to Philadelphia, what was your sole purpose? Why did you do this? And I'm just, I'm just asking because, you know, no one knows what goes through a psychopath's head like, their reasoning could be he heard demons or whatever. And well, I hope you hear a lot when you get in prison or a mental institution or Rikers Island. Because um, as far as I'm concerned, when, you, when you're like near the steps and you feel like you don't really want to go down the station and <clears throat> you see a bunch of people running, you think you hear what sounds like firecrackers, man. And then all of a sudden, the whole section is, like, closed off, and people is running and going all kinds of crazy. I'm just going to say, like, um, I'm going to play a song, if you will, because I feel like um, that's not, like, uh, a song in the world that could describe any more than what... These people have gone through, and the words alone 
can comfort no matter what because it's like uh how do you how do you cope with what's going on? How do you even deal? Because as far as I'm concerned, the individual that did this, you know, he's on national news now. I mean, it's like uh why do some why do people rob a bank or or why do people murder people for no fucking reason? So uh, to the families that are dealing with people in the hospital, I'm just going to play this song and I don't I don't own the rights to the lyrics in the song. I don't own the rights to the production or the song, but the song I would like to play in memory of those who just lost and those who are still alive because you've got to hold whoever's dear to you and thank God that um, they're talking and breathing. But they're never going to forget. So um, I'm going to first time ever feels like a live radio station on your hot night seven hell not it's your boy brian rails um playing a person that i played after my aunt passed away in the world trade so um if you could please just bear with me trying to gather my bands before my guest gets on more here all right so if you could please yeah that song please do for real it's Mariah Carey and Boys to Men, One Sweet Day, because I found the words to be very comforting. So here goes.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not a radio station either, but to say, like, we ignore stuff in the great city of New York is totally wrong. So allow me to speak on this. On behalf of all of us who are normal functioning citizens that try to go to fucking work every day and not look what's behind us, I'm just trying to function, you know, and I do have a wrestling show to run. Um, you know, it's not all wrestling. Like I said, Beyond the Tracks is a platform for any and all discussions. Sometimes you have to talk about what's going on in the now in order for us to prepare for the future, right? How do you prepare yourself when you hear and and go through all this nonsense? the crime rate in New York, I don't even want to go over the numbers because it's fucking staggering. There's 19 million people. That's a lot. That's why there's subsection boroughs on top of boroughs. And there's so many people that ride the subway on the way to work. And now they're going to, there's people that are like, I'll be fine. You know, it's just, it's New York. They expect. Well, you damn right it's New York, but people in this fucking city that we all live in have feelings, too, and an emotion, and never really expect things to happen like this, you know. Feel sorry for all the people that went through this, and I don't I don't pretend to know, and I don't want to know what you guys are going through, because I feel more or less the prayers be with you is not really going to help, but... At the end of this show, you'd be like, well, man, this guy's crazy. He went over stuff that's not even included in wrestling. How's it going to set the tone for the rest of your show? Well, allow me to tell you this, guys. My name is Brian Rails, and, uh, yeah, the sick shit that goes on in this city. It's not just robberies or people beating up each other for fucking clothing or people murdering each other on the street over who slept with whom. Petty bullshit, man. This is some petty bullshit. And the person in ties and connection for me better say something, dude. I don't know how else we're supposed to desensitize ourselves and go on with our lives. Well, you know, people say, well, that's an easy solution. Just go to therapy. So I can go to therapy and uh, do the best you can. Well, one of my offices for therapy is professional wrestling. It's to divert my attention away from this nonsensical bullshit that occurs every fucking day. Enough is enough. And they finally had the commissioner come out and assess the situation as best he could. What are you supposed to do? How are you supposed to prevent the staggering numbers of murder and crime rate, it's all it's happening in the subway. This is the scary part. This is happening when people have their livelihoods. They go to work. They're supposed to be focused, laser focused for work the next fucking day. And this, you know, I don't know what goes on in, like I said, lunatics' heads, okay? Because I'm pretty crazy myself. I don't want to even fathom what these families of these victims are going through right now but I can tell you I still love New York it's my home and 
one else can tell me fucking different, okay? No one else can sit there and say, well, you know, you claim New York, but you only claim it when there's a tragedy. No, I claim it every single day. I don't care what baseball team you affiliate with. I don't care what nationality you are. We're all brothers and sisters here. Brooklyn is where I grew up and I'm still living. You know what I mean? It's just... This isn't about one individual. This is about another individual who decided to wake up in the morning, raise some hell, literally, spray people like they were fucking... He was spraying a water gun. And then, for I don't know how he evade authorities, but they need to catch this motherfucker. Okay? And I'm just telling you because this, I'm sick of this shit. I am so sick and tired of this shit. And all they can stand back and do is like, oh, well, you know, what can you do in a city full of 19 million people? How can you police one individual out of the 19 other million citizens and maybe causing havoc in other directions? It's like, dude, damn near impossible uh, for a police officer or security guard down in the fucking stations. But this is the scary part. This is where people not only get ready to go into work, but to go places, you know, and it's not just the people that inhabit the city of New York. It's all this nonsense going around with Ukraine and Russia and COVID rates rising. Everything just seems to be coming to a head. So there has to be one psychopath that wants to romp through the fucking subway and act like a dick bag. And scare the ever-living shit out of normal people. It's just insanity. It is fucking insanity. How do you not not talk about the issues that are going around in the world every once in a great while? I don't like covering politics. That's the only thing that I will not fucking cover. Unless something happens to our leader or... Other shit happens on the Capitol like it did last year. Like I said, you know, I will sit here and cover what needs to be covered, ladies and gentlemen, as far as it goes when I have a guest coming on this show. And he will be on in about, I say roughly about 13 minutes, okay? Comes from Firestar Pro Wrestling as an up-and-comer, was a part of a seminar for Control Your Narrative, and he's going back again. And he's also been to the world-famous Monster Factory. Now, normally, people might say, well, that's like a stop and shop, you know, sip of coffee type deal. I said, no, 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 he's the real deal. He's a real good uh, real good guy, nice. You know, I talked to him. Trying to switch the subject matter, as you can tell. But I'm really trying. I am really trying, folks, to not lose my fucking brain. After what happened in my backyard, I like to call home. Yeah, maybe talking through a fucking distance, but here it is. When people, even people who were raised correctly, they could have come from a perfectly normal home and still caused a fucking ruckus. Or still caused, you know, chaos will always ensue. When people are complacent or they feel the need to act a fool. So 
So really, I see it, folks, is that this person decided it would be such a grandiose idea to traipse into the fucking subway like the scum of the earth he is and start shooting because he felt the need to. Normally, when people have guns, you'd think there'd be police officers. No, because there should be no fucking need to have them. Especially when crazy shit is going on in the world. Why why bother having police officers on the subway? Because every time one of them is, they cause a bunch of shit. Does NYPD sometimes. There's good, there's bad, and there's ugly. This moment is fucking ugly as fuck. It'll go down in history as one of the most gruesome things outside of all the other mass shootings that have occurred in subway history, right? How does one go into a train, not even get noticed that he's acting suspicious, right? You just start casing the joint or, or making a scene? My question is, you have a lot of security cameras and very little time to react. Some people say, well, you know, mind your business and, and keep your head down and everything, this, that, the other. What I'm going to tell you is that shit doesn't help, and that's very old school. For those of you messaging me on Wrestle underscore radio, I'm going to tell you is no matter what goes on in this world, there's always going to be some person that feels the necessary need to act out. And some may say, well, they just did it to get attention. They just did it for this reason. We don't know the ulterior motive as to why. It's been, it's so sad, guys, because it's been labeled as an act of terrorism. That's For the longest time, it's not only transportation, but it's, it's kind of like a way of life. It's hop on. A bus, get on the subway, that's the N and the R line, you know. That's like, um, that's not too far from where I live, okay? Mentally, I'm going to be fine. I keep telling myself, like, maybe it was a, a blessing that I didn't trace through that line. Because on the real, when people ask what New York is like, I try and tell them, like, we're not what you see in the movies. Yet today, it was like something you see out of the movies. It was like a live-action film that I'd much rather soon forget. Sometimes, guys, you have to take into account that Things do happen, and it's out of our control. It's a blessing that alive and breathing. I'm talking to y'all. Um, I don't know. I'm honestly at a loss of words of how an individual can go to a subway station and not even 
Because I guess, you know, he probably went in there all summer, like, you know, and non-suspicious. They tracked his ass with a credit card. Really, that's the best you can do? That's the best? You That's the best answer you can give us right now is that you tracked him with a credit card? That's nice. It must be Grand Heels' idea. Or not Grand Heels, but it must be lovely. Oh, and they're like, well, what would you have done? Maybe they start needing to put metal detectors in the fucking subways to be a pain in the ass because you know there's always some asshole that's going to jump the line and break the rules. That's New York for you, though. People will always exit the fire exits, so it's like normal, but if you're out of town, they fucking notice for real. And so... um you know, New York kind of works ass backwards. The NTA employees, what's up with you? Y'all let that motherfucker on the train? Because you never think nothing of it. It's just another day in New York. And then all of a sudden, black, 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 black. There's a lot of finger pointing and no solutions going on during this whole entire fucking mess. And really... I'm, you know, going pre-off the rails or beyond the tracks. Because I figured something needs to get said. Instead of pointing the finger like some of us feel like doing, because that's the only natural fucking thing that comes to my mind when a situation like this occurs is because crime rate has gone up. And allow me to inform you what that means. That means there's way too many fuckers. You can't just start like, okay, let's you know, let's lower the population by telling people to fucking move. They move every day here, dude. They move to Florida. They move to um, move a whole bunch of you know places outside of New York because they're sick of the bullshit. There are times when you feel like New York, it's like, well, people who don't live here are like, oh, man, you, I can't believe you actually live here. Oh, it's pretty cool, you know, because they see, they see the city and they don't really stick around long enough for the good and the bad, right? If you just stay in New York for a week, of course, your mindset's going to come to, okay, cool. There's good eateries, you know, there's an, there's a few oceans and nice beaches and stuff. And then once you get past that, really, on the real, it turns into, man, what what do I have left to do other than go to work, trying to focus on being a good individual, all that good jazz. So... <clears throat> Now that I let all of this craziness out of my system, there's more craziness to be had because I have a guest coming on in about four, nine minutes, you know, give or take. So I figured I could do a little something, something that I haven't done in a while. Actually, I ran every fucking time, so it's nothing new. There's going to be like a five-minute uh, Beyond the Tracks 
special, if you will. What I really true. This is a snippet, actually. This is a preview of what good old Brian Rails thinks about the entire AEW sitch with Cody. And I already let known on Saturday what I think. I mean, yes, it's hypocritical of him to join the company that he once bashed. Yes, <clears throat> it was justifiable when he broke the throne with a sledgehammer. It was kind of funny as shit when he brought out the golden shovel. Oh, and by the way, before I get too off the rails, <laughs> here's what I'm going to say. The following content presented on this pro wrestling podcast, Wrestling Radio Network slash Beyond the Tracks, belongs to the owner, Brian Rails. You do not have permission to use, copy, reproduce the content from all episodes recorded and shared on social media. All content is protected by U.S. and international copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution without permission from the owner is strictly prohibited and can be punishable by law. Failure to comply will result in legal action taken. All rights reserved, Russell Radio Network. Beyond the Tracks, Incorporated, 2022. So, for those wanting to know why I went completely out of left field to start the shows, because I'm not being silent about that kind of shit. True, I could have saved it for the end and talked about that for a fucking hour, but I figured why not get it out of the way and then talk about it after our guest is off air. If any of you want to call in, it's 213-943-3422. Again, it's 213-943-3422. Be sure to join right and up-and-comer um, Firestar Pro Wrestling. It's known as Charles Carroll. Hails from Virginia. So, before he comes on, yours truly, be sitting here telling you this, okay? Yours truly has decided upon to tell you why it was beneficial for Cody to leave. Like LeBron James, who was not really feeling it in Miami, decided to leave or from Cleveland to Miami. Do you know how many people from Cleveland burned his jersey? So some AEW fans, not all, noticed that maybe it was a good thing for him to move on, come back, coming back to WWE was inevitable. But I'm going to say the following. Some people from AEW are acting extremely childish, meaning... You know, when I watch the Young Bucks, the very passive-aggressive shit that they've been doing, allow me to elaborate. When somebody always takes subtle jabs at the company that's literally right across the pond, not across the pond, but across the way, there are subtle differences between your company and theirs. WWE, whenever they're building a feud, for example, if it was Adam Cole versus Hangman Page in WWE, their payoff match between or their rematch for the AEW Championship is on a Rampage episode or a future Rampage booking. Why would you not build that all the way up 
to a pay-per-view. But instead, AEW decides, okay, well, we're going to have this because Rampage is, I'm not going to be sugarcoating anything, but Rampage is flunking big time on ratings. You know, oh, and by the way, if you're going to be on TBS, dude, this is just a precursor for everything that's going on. Vulgar language, the you know, females rolling around on thumbtacks. A friend of mine and I discussed this earlier today. Not that I dislike any of that, but the FCC is going to come breathing down your neck, and they're going to cut your budget in fucking half. Not only that, people are like, oh, he's big Mark. He knows what he's talking about. No, dude. I've seen what AEW has done in the last year or so. It's the same old shit. When you have booked Adam Cole to lose to Orange Cassidy, does it matter who goes over? No, but Adam Cole is a much bigger name than Orange Cassidy. And if you're going for the whole, we were just going for the upset angle of the whole deal. Yeah, I know. I I tend to go off on tangents, dude. But I'm going to circle it back to Cody. Don't worry. So the reason why it was so beneficial for Cody to leave AEW is because they've been stuck in the same loop and of repeat and bash repeat bashing WWE, not only repeat bashing but holy hell. He became their John Cena. When John Cena was getting booed out of arenas, when people were cheering the fact that the heels we're beating the shit out of the supposed hero and half the crowd was split. I don't call that an electric reaction. I call that, um, well, half the crowd love you just because and half the crowd will, we were just sick of you. It wasn't like, I mean, some people still cheered for him in AEW. The cheers were getting lesser and lesser and lesser. He wasn't the main fucking draw anymore. So some of the people in AEW need to fucking realize that. When someone is about to move on from whatever company they're working for and it's not working out, it's best you let them move the fuck on and quit being goddamn children about it. Okay? I'm sick and tired of people telling the story as if we're the, you know, we're the bigger person by playing the passive aggressive role. What you are doing is making yourselves look like live assholes. Instead of acting, um, you know, like, well, yeah, we heard the name. Okay, whatever. He's the one that helped it along with you guys. So really, AEW is nothing more than a watered-down WCW blended in with ECW. Blended in with a little bit of impact. And Impact ain't even getting, I mean, you know what, I have to look at the rating numbers for Impact, but it's pretty low. They're not getting much of anything. When you got a whole bunch of companies running at the same time, maybe that's why Cody stepped away, because the timing. They weren't really fond of him. Not only were they not fond of him, but I find it ironic. They're the same fans that once cheered for him. Oh, he betrayed us. 
So you want him to be a bitch boy so you have someone to talk about on your little shows or your little blogs and basically berate him for being that guy. So really, okay, I see he is about to contact my guest folks here on live there. Just give me a second. We're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification right here on Beyond the Tracks. There's also, you know, outside of uh, Cody Rhodes, the whole Elias, and, um, well, new persona that he's taking, you know, he's taking a part of. I gotta, you know, just say it, man. It looks very photoshopped, the photo from Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, outside of the rambling from me, please welcome to the show Wrestling's Future, and I mean this the way soon to be champion. Yes, it's a precursor Firestar, from Firestar Pro Wrestling. Please welcome to my show, the second guest will be on the tracks, Charles Carroll. How you doing, buddy? What's up, man? What's up? How you doing, man? I'm a little bit frazzled because of what happened today in New York. Uh, there was some psychopath that decided to shoot up the subway. Yeah, and yeah, I heard about that, man. I heard about that. That's only like a couple of miles from where I work, so my boss ended up sending me home. Mm. And, yeah, it was crazy and chaotic because I thought it, when I heard it, it sounded like fireworks, you know what I mean? Pop, 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 yeah. pop. And uh, anyway, so I won't go too much into that, but it was, it was a crazy day today. Um, my roommate ended up picking me up around the end of the R line is where it happened. And you know, ever seen like Spider-Man or um, any of the Marvel films, that's kind of how this was today, except for it was live and in person. So um, yeah. anyway, Oof. yeah, that that was the tough part. So I'm going to try and maintain a level of professionalism and get on with the show as I don't want to. I already dug into it for like 32 minutes and I don't feel like we could have like a analyze vigil on national air. So I'm going to ask the first question out of the gate. So how long you been doing this for? All right. So I've been training for roughly, it'll be three years in November. And I've been on the independent scene for about a year. So you've been training for three and working for one, you know, and you know, I must say, dude, like, um, when I got your promo picks, my thoughts were, you know, I get the vibe that this guy, did you want to do wrestling? Um, when you first started, like you like really into it and like, Oh man, this is, this is what I want to do. Or were you like, 
Well, I hope that people catch on to what I'm trying to do. Or the third question I'm going to ask you is, was this your original go-to, or is this just like something you do as like a side hobby? So it started when I was three. I started watching wrestling, and I fell in love with it ever since. I would come home, you know, come home from school. I would have it taped, ready to watch it. Um, and then I kind of strayed away from it a little bit when I got to high school because it gets to that point where it's like you you want to think, you know, you want to do what everybody else thinks is cool. So I got away from it and went to college, got my normal job, and decided, you know, about three years ago, I'm like, you know what, man, like, I feel like it would be a disgrace if I didn't attempt to try something that I wanted to do since I was a kid. So to answer your questions, I've always wanted to do this. It's, uh, it just took me, took me a moment of realization to be like, Hey, you know, whatever you want to do is cool. Not what everybody else wants you to do. So I mean, yeah, sometimes oh, yeah. it's been, uh, it's been, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I was just uh, reiterating. It's just, it's always, it's been a lifelong dream. It just had to kick back in. So I got to ask you, which of the boys made you want to get into pro wrestling? Cause I had one guest tell me it was Shawn Michaels. I had another guest tell me, you know, it's Sting or it was, it was Bret Hart. So who, was the guy that made you, when you watched him, you said, I want to be close to what he does one day? Oh, definitely. It's definitely got to be Stone Cold. Definitely. Just the energy that that man brought just by walking down to the ring. It's just, it's, un, it's I mean, you know, I, I say it's unmatched. I would say because the man had been involved in a WrestleMania in 19 years, and uh, I've seen him, let's see, I've been to, okay, uh, nine, yeah, that was my ninth WrestleMania, and so I went to Dallas before, and I went to the one where he was in the Superdome. The minute the glass breaks, and you hear that da-da-da-da-da-da, it was just, oh, man, when he came out, I felt like I was... 13, 14 years old, and yeah, I'm showing my age, but you're right. The the top of, type of like pop that he gets from the crowd, um, it's it's not okay. Maybe The Rock or Shawn Michaels could get a pop that big. I don't think so because you instantly feel like he's gonna kick somebody's ass. I got right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like although when I was there, I was laughing. Um, the way that Vince decided to uh, – some people razz on Vince for taking the stunner the way he did. I'm like, well, the man's close to, you know, 80, so <laughs> got to give the yeah, old right. man – yeah, I mean, got to give the old man props for actually getting his hands dirty. He's the only boss I know that'll let you kick the ever-living shit out of him and still keep you employed. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, like, okay – so also ask if you had, and I'm not your regular average Joe podcast, Mark. I actually did used to manage and actually spent a little bit of time in NXT um, meeting people here and there. I must ask you, so 
most people, most guys tell me, well, I ask them, what's your end goal in wrestling? Is it to be, oh, I remember that kid, you know, Charles Carroll, he had a great match with uh, Rey Mysterio, blah, blah, blah. Do you want people to remember you for one match, or do you want a, a legacy to be remembered? Oh, man, yeah. The The end goal is just to be the best that I can be, whether that's me headlining WrestleManias, um, AEW, even, you know, Impact. It doesn't it doesn't matter. The, the thing that I wanted, I just want to be very technically sound. I want to be able to get in the ring with anybody and have a great match. Um, and, of course, you know, I've always wanted to be, always wanted to get signed with WWE. Um, but also there was no AEW at the time. So I I hate to say it because, you know, that's everybody who wants to wrestle. Everybody wants to be in WWE. Everybody, you know, wants to wants to be at the top, and that's what makes – this business so hard um it really you know you really have to put your time and 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 effort into this business or else you know you'll be you'll always be second to none i mean dude i can tell you from experience of being involved with wwe twice um it's yeah there was no aew and i always tell guys like i don't care what company you come from, if you tell me a story with your match and you're not boring as shit, then yeah. I will go watch you. You know, and you stand out to me. It's like, huh, blonde kid could be a heel, could be a face. I don't know a kid, but I know I saw that she went to Monster Factory. That's a very familiar yeah. territory to me. I love Danny. So, I mean, I got to ask you, when you went to Monster Factory, did Danny really work you and, and make you sweat? Because I'm going to tell you, that dude doesn't play around. So I actually, I went uh, on a Tuesday and he had uh, a little bit of family stuff to take care of. So I didn't get to meet him in person. I I talked to him, uh, Facebook, Instagram, stuff like that. But the program that he runs, man, it's amazing. I actually, um, so I trained and, and was trained by Jimmy Valiant and I took some of the things that Danny had at Monster Factory and used that at Boogie's just to kind of drill the fundamentals into um, everybody that's training. It's, it's, it blows. I mean, so we did, we did, we started off with a beginner class, just basic stuff. And by the end of that, I mean, we were all sweating just ready to go and then we start the advanced class and I mean we're just about blown up they'll blow you up right before you start the class but great it was a great great experience I definitely will be back I uh I've got something to prove that's for sure because um I was still very green when I went there and a homicide happened to be there and we did a we did a practice match and it was horrible. I I will be the first to admit that and he called it out and 
he told me, he said, I know you can do so much better than this. So when you come back, I want to see, you know, that better side of you. So I owe him one. I got, I got to say, dude, it's, <laughs> I met Danny personally and the man does not sugarcoat anything at all. And that's what I love about him. <laughs> like he is one that will tell you like, well, he, he goes, I was to do like a pro. He's like, you don't want to do it. He's like, why fucking do it? And then he got mad because, you know, it's like, he goes, if I ask you to do something, he's like, if Vince asked you to do it, would you do it? And I said, of course. He goes, well, then well, if I ask you to do something, why'd you hesitate? And it's <laughs> like, he goes, I, he goes, I'm just going to let you know right now because they will tell you at Monster Factory, and I'm pretty sure you heard these lines. We have the blueprints here. We copy and paste them and use it to own advantage. It's kind of like a playbook. You just have to be the player that executes the actual play from the playbook. Yeah. From top to bottom, do that place. And I, and I promote it every podcast. Like, if you like to become a professional wrestler, just look at the long list of line of people that come from that school. The headbangers. Right. Tammy Lynn Stitch, uh, Bam Bam. I mean, my trainer said that he didn't like Pretty Boy Larry Sharp, but Pretty Boy Larry Sharp um, trained my trainer. And so uh, you mentioned somebody that was familiar, and I hate saying this because I'm pretty sure he gets this a lot now. The Boogie Woogie, uh, James Valiant or whatever, uh, he was on the dark side of the ring talking about uh, Herb Abrams. Mm Mm-hmm. So he he goes, I as a manager, and I've managed some pretty big names. He's not lying. (laughs) When he spoke, I was like, hmm, from one manager to another. I like this man because he's like, what he said, all hell broke loose. I just started rolling because I was like, (laughs) the way he describes something is like, you will listen. You'll be drawn in because the way he talks. Right. I got to ask you. Marty Esberg, is that his name? Or not Marty Esberg, I'm uh, sorry. That's the manager who managed Boogie Woogie. So, uh, yeah. So I'm just going to say, like, I'm pretty sure Boogie knows what he's talking about because he came from that era that had uh, Bruiser Brody and all of them. Yes, sir. Like, oh, yeah. that's, that's an insane era uh, of guys that, uh, let's see, Atlas, uh, Sheik. Uh, Sam, you know, all of them New Jack yeah. But uh, I gotta So When you started out wrestling You know, you probably get told The wrestling world's a bit crazy Because you got fans <laughs> yeah. That either oh, yeah. love you or hate you I'm thinking, just by looking at your picture You're a baby face, aren't you? You know, believe it or not I I am a heel um, huh. Now now, when I go to – there's certain promotions that that I'll work baby, but mostly, like, North Carolina area, I – and uh, in Tennessee, I'm a heel. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I know. And But, like, when I'm at in my hometown, Virginia, of course I'm a baby because it's really hard for – you know, people that I know outside of wrestling, when they come watch, it's everyone's cheering. So it's, you know, it's hard for me to work that heel aspect into that. And 
And um, even even some newer promotions that I'll work, like they'll set me to say, hey, man, you'll, you'll be baby. I'm like, all right, cool. That'll work. You know, so the one thing Boogie taught me is that, you know, I need to I need to learn both. That way, where whatever a promoter wants me to do is what I can do for them. So, I gotta ask you, my friend, have you been to a brutal Bob Evans uh, seminar? Oh yeah, I love Bob, man. He actually um, had me booked for a, a show in Denver not too long ago. Hmm. I love Uncle Bob. He's a very good guy. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's see what else I can ask you. So <laughs> you've been training three years, working a year. I gotta say, I said this to the previous I said, You really want to work the show? Come out east like, Oh man, I'm going to Pittsburgh. I said, That's the great value of the East Coast. Are you fucking kidding me? No, bro. <laughs> you need to work the East Coast shows like Philly, New York, Boston, Baltimore. Because why? Some fans like to put themselves over. It called me crazy, but I see you. Mister, you said heel. I said, wow. I guess I need to watch some of your stuff because, looking at your promo pictures, my friend, I was like, he does not look or appeal as a heel. Right. No, I agree. Yeah, those. Um, I recently got some new ones done, so hopefully those will persuade a little better. I, you know, it's like the old saying, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. I fell victim to that yeah. just now. Because <laughs> looking at my promo pictures, like backstage um, at a as an extra for WWE, you take one look at me and my trainer goes heel, and I go, wow, I didn't even speak yet. He goes, I can tell you're already going to be a mouthpiece, and I said, oh, thank you, very nice. I had to contend with a German wanting to be Italian by the name of Eric Art, and they're like, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? I said, try being in the locker room with him and and tell me that you don't want to shove the fucker into a mirror, okay? He, from being an NXT dude around him and Colin Cassidy, I can tell you from experience that WWE is a machine, and I can say if you're a heel, you know, it's, I got to get your opinion on this. Is it easier? Because I think it's way easier being a heel because you got less of the load on you. And you can easily be hated. And the minute you do something, the crowd's going to react because you have that one mark that, or a few marks that believe this shit's real. So I got to right. ask you, like, um, is it easier to be a heel than the baby? Or do you find working both is simple enough if you just do the right things and garnish reactions regardless? Well, it it can be easy both ways, but in my opinion, I I love working heel. It's you control the match, so um, you know you, anything anything that you do, it can be you know you can get that cheap heat or you can earn that heat. But being a baby man, it's you're selling you. I, I'm getting getting good at it, but the whole selling aspect for the baby. If you don't sell right, man, you know you're gonna make your heel look like shit. So, <laughs> and vice versa. <laughs> but um, yeah, to answer your question, I I go heel all the way. I, I think it's just it's I'm more comfortable being the heel. 
That's the complete opposite of my other guest. He said he didn't give a shit. I said, well, you know, <laughs> you like the heel or baby face. Said, you seem like a face to me. I'm one for two on a batting average, so I'm batting 500. But allow me <laughs> to say this. There's a reason why some people called me the evil Enzo when I would walk in the back because I would just pop off and be like, yeah? Because they would say, you get in persona or are you just being Brian? And I just tell them, I'd be like, they're like, you should be nervous. Like, you should be. And uh, it's funny, Brian Pillman Jr., <laughs> when I was taking pictures with him at con, I put on the vest and I popped back and smiled. And he goes, wow, that's the same way my dad used to smile. I said, yeah, well, you know, here's a fun fact for you. Not to sound totally like a mark right here, but uh, I was born two days apart from Brian Pillman. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, we both got the nicknames from our trainers as loose cannons. We both were, you know, like he lived his gimmick. I said, yeah, I, when I got to WWE, um, in a minute, 30 seconds, I met some really cool people and whatnot, whatever. One of the people that was sitting as a guest judge, not Les Thatcher, but uh, I think it was Sarah. Yeah, Sarah Motto goes, has anyone told you that if Eddie Guerrero, Brian Pillman had a love child, it would be you? <laughs> I, I said, well, I, I don't know. If that's a, Is that a compliment? And she said, yes, my dear. Yes, it is. She goes, ease back just a little bit on your stuff, but... I got to say, dude, working heel is a fucking, that's like walking into work and not having to do shit and just sitting on the clock doing nothing. Right. Working face, a lot of people reference the Rock and Roll Express with the, oh, you know, Robert Gibson has that look in the crowd or Ricky or whomever does the empathy look to the crowd like, save me, help me. That shit's hard. That shit is hard as fuck. Yes, it's easy to sell for your heel. But, like, I personally, dude, as a manager, from a manager's perspective, I would rather be a heel manager than a baby face because baby face, you have to, unless your name is Jimmy Hart or Sensational Sherry or um, I'm trying to think here who, well, Paul Heyman kind of varies in between a heel and a face manager or about whatever he's classified as. But um, I just find it funny that people are like, being a manager is all about, you know, I was like, no, I, I got to get your opinion on this. And I hope I'm going the right direction. Ain't the role of a manager supposed to be putting your uh, wrestler over? Right. Absolutely. Because I feel like some managers, there's a lot of managers in the indie scene, correct? Oh, yeah, man. Honestly, it's a little, a little too many. And um, then they, they I, talk about, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just, I'm just, this is my opinion, and and I I may get uh, scrutinized for this, but I understand, you know, there there's a few promotions who will run, um, you know, maybe once a month or, or, uh, you know, even less than that, and they try to have storylines. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing with that is, I will guarantee you, you, you may, you may have five people come back 
and watch, you know, the show. But you're going to have different people come to that show, and no one knows what's going on. So when they bring out said managers for whatever storyline they're doing, why do it? I I always want to go out and – now, I'm cool with promos. I love – like, that's great. That is perfectly fine. But when you want to try to work a storyline on something that you'll, you know, be doing every other month or every three months, like, I, I hate it. I hate it. I'm one that, you know, from the government of working, let's see, Ooh, a manager role. This was not even a televised match. It was in front of like 20. Let me tell you something. People, or you're right. No one will understand why somebody's talking on the mic and they think it's going to get over like WWE. And I'm sitting here laughing my ass off. Like, why are you laughing? I said, because no one has a clue who the fuck this dude is. Yeah, he right. thinks he's yeah. his britches on by like. I'm going to get it, you know, in the sack tonight with some broad from random hood rat or ring rat, my bad, that's going to be all over it because, oh, baby, you know, I said something tonight to this wrestler and I got to bash him in the face with candy glass jar or whatever. Do you think yeah. that managers try to put themselves over a little too much in certain promotions? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There, there are guys that, uh, just they they take everything away from from the match. I mean, like you get people who stand outside of the ring and just heckle the fans the whole time while you know while we're trying to tell a story in the ring. There's there's always there's always a place for that manager, and you know, in my opinion, it's like you know at the beginning of the match, hey, you. Let everybody know who you are, whether it's you really telling them that or, you know, you do something with your with your wrestler you're managing. And then always think towards the end, whether it be like helping the heel with a dirty finish or or what whatever it may be. But but yeah, like I said, they some of the promotions it's just bad. It's they take away everything from the wrestlers. You want to hear something funny that my trainer told me? He actually trained John Cone before he went to Elden. The name is my trainer, Scott Vita, who owned a Monster Factory in Kansas City. But then I, you know, I went training a little bit. I wanted to go to Monster Factory full-time but didn't have money. But I trained with this guy named Scott Vita, who was on the very first episode of Raw, which was pretty cool. You can even look him up, Tony oh, Vita. Nice. Yeah, and so anyways, he goes, you know, I trained John, what I told him referees did, and I, I go, no, what did you tell him? So I sat there and busted my ass out laughing because he said the way I trained referees was, okay, stay the fuck out of the way, stay the fuck out of the way, go down and count, always make sure the shoulder's touching the mat, stay the fuck out of the way, stay the fuck out of the way. I said, is that, what you, is that how you trained your referees? He said, mm, that's what I told them. I said, are you serious? He goes, no. I, he goes, I train with, like, how to position and what cameras not to get in front of. And I started laughing. I said, seriously? He goes, so how did you train managers? I said, if there was a place you stand on, this is what bugs me, dude. And Danny 
set and a few of the other managers are like uh I think it goes by Rocco and Ring of Honor. But he said, Why are you dancing around the ring? You know, it's like the focus is on the wrestler, not you. Stand on one right. side of the apron and if you have a distraction spot, go over it with your wrestler because you did find in other aspects a little tentative on the other areas. But what Scott basically told me was you are to put the wrestler over, not yourself, unless your name is Jim Cornette or Bobby Heenan or Classy mm-hmm. Freddie Blassie. You really don't be putting yourself – you should not ever put yourself over the wrestler. Right. Absolutely. And so you said you've been doing this a whole year. Have you – I asked this for some guests. I guess I'm going to change the question up a little bit. But um, in your year of wrestling – what is, like, the craziest uh, story you can tell that happened with a fan online, a fan in person, um, someone you met and was like, okay, I don't, I don't know about that. Have you ever had to step away and be like, I think I'm going to take five, or have you blocked anybody on social media several times? Like, what yeah. is the weirdest thing someone has offered you as a wrestler for new gear or whatever, what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you thus far being involved in wrestling? Oh man. So, you know, I don't really know how to, because it's just, it's kind of like, you know, you start going to the gym and you work out, work out, work out. And you're like, Oh, all ladies are going to love me. Yeah. It's it's the exact same way. So I start wrestling. I get a bunch of friend requests, which even then, like, I don't know how they got my name because I'm Chuck Edwards in the ring and I'm Charles Carroll on Facebook. So, like, until a promoter, you know, would put my name out there, that's when I would get a bunch of friend requests. But before then, I was getting friend requests from people from past shows and would <laughs> message me and just, they start out by saying, like, hey. And then it just goes on and on and on. There's maybe 15, 20 hey's. And then they get to their 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 question or whatever it is. And going back to, you said the weirdest thing. So, there was a a person who asked me for uh they would give me a hundred dollars for me to take a picture in my in my gear and send it to him and then okay. also send the socks like send my socks send my boots and send underwear that I was wearing with my gear. And I'm like, look, bro, it's, I don't have uh, another set of gear yet. So uh, that is definitely a no. Regardless, it would have been a no. But I still had to let them down easy. <laughs> wow. So they wanted you naked, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Might as well just come out and said, hey, do you mind? This would be funny as fuck because I've had this happen to other guests. Um one other guest said something about, I think this is a common thing in wrestling where body parts are not a shame, you know, whatever. They saw that uh, yeah. What's-His-Nuts did gay 
porn. So now they're like, maybe we can turn one. And having to be an openly gay manager myself, I'm like, I got one message from dudes like, I like uh, chubby ears like you. Would you like to uh, do a promo like Mr. Heyman and introduce yourself while you get naked in the bedroom? And I'm like, as flattering (laughs) as you are, you're ugly as fuck. And I, um, I have one button that will help me. My name is Brian Rails, and I am going to B L O C K Y O U. And I said, "How?" Oh yeah. They, dude, I don't mind. You know, okay. The common one was, I think it was, even shocked me, dude. Like friends of mine in wrestling have said, the most common one is, "Can we see your feet?" Or yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I get it as a gay dude. I get that dudes are attractive. But there's a line of professionalism that we almost incur as workers and uh, from worker to fan. There has to be a line drawn. If you, right. if you, you know what I mean? Like, you don't say that to someone on Messenger. If they're cool with it, sure. I just... I got to ask your personal opinion on that, dude. Like, have you, I mean, you said you got several messages where they just da-da-da-da-da, and hey, I mean, I'm sure the feet thing has been thrown in there, and the hands, or can you take pictures in a jock strap or some weird shit like that? Like, right. You know, I, I just want to know what, how do you, how have you dealt with stuff like that in the past? I mean, have you been asked questions similar to that? Oh yeah, I've been um, I've been asked, definitely been asked about the feet pics, um, but it's just it's just not something I'm gonna do. It's you know if whoever wants to do it, that's that's what they want to do, and uh, you know I, I'm here to wrestle, man. That's that's it. Well, at least you know. Okay, and I also say like, have you ever had a moment where a fan has tried to? I don't think. Well, you've only been wrestling a year, but have you ever really riled up a fan to the point where they, like, got in your face and you just got to smile and be like, I'm doing my job? <laughs> uh, there were there were a few. And so the reason I say I've been working a year is because I, I was injured. Um, and I don't count, you know, from when I was injured to – but then, if that's the case, it'd be about um, about two years. But I I went out and I would kind of pull the uh, Lex uh, Lex Luger, where I would say like, you know, I'm I'm ready to I'm ready to wrestle. Call everybody out. They come out, and I say, ah, you know, I I would, but my doctor really <laughs> hasn't cleared me. And so that really pissed everybody off because they – so I got hurt in that building, and I came back a few weeks later, and I had – I still um, – I was actually out for 16 weeks. Um, but I'd come back periodically during my uh, during my rehab and stuff, and I'd have my brace on and – I'd go out and I'd talk a little bit, and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm ready. And then the the fans will start 
Okay, all right, yeah, we're you know we're ready to see it, ready to see it. <laughs> and then you know, then I get, I'm like, you know what? All right, let's get, let's bring somebody out here. I don't care, I don't really care who it is. Matter of fact, bring the champ out. So champ comes out, and you know, I talk a little bit of shit, whatever, and <laughs> and then here he comes, gets in the ring, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll let me roll out. So I'll roll out. I'm just, hey, look, man, you know, I would. I would. And then you're lucky. You're lucky I'm still hurt. Because if I wasn't, then, you know, that that pissed a bunch <laughs> of people off. Oh, oh man. man, my friend. I wish I could talk to you in the same fucking room. You know why? Because <laughs> there's a story that I'll tell. This is something that is in Larned, Kansas. And, of course, by the looks of me, you've seen a little bit of me, I guess, on Facebook. I'm not a fake, you know, the mark that makes up this shit. Ask Hassan Payne or J.D. Burton or whatever his name is. I was his manager in a match against Trevor Murdoch. We was in Larned, Kansas, Rednecksville. Sorry, you know, for referencing your town like that. But, you know, they put me, they said, what kind of name can you come up with, sir? And I said, okay, I can think of one that's going to piss everyone just off being a, a Middle Eastern looking dude. And I said, how about Heyman Ali? <laughs> Ali had the worst Borat accent you could ever fucking pick apart. Okay. <laughs> I told the crowd, you don't know how to read, you don't know how to write. By the time I got back to see the Regal Twins, but man, nuclear heat, we're going to have to follow up with that shit. It's because it's so easy looking like me. I could be a Middle Eastern heel. I could just be a heel, period. I put right. uh, put a Yankees eye black. A lot of people hate the Yankees for some reason. I mean, I'm, after winning 27 World Series, why not? You know, <laughs> yeah. The the whole fucking premise is I love that. He's like, I would beat your ass, but you know what? I need to get some clearance from my doctor. Damn it. Yeah. I love it because the crowd, regardless, is going to eat it up. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's nothing like cheap heat, man. It's that's so much fun. That's the best kind of heat as a heel, and they tell you it's like guys like Jake the Snake, guys, you know, they're like he wasn't heel. I said watch his early shit. He <laughs> uh, he used to wrestle in Houston, and his early shit with uh, what's his name, Gino Hernandez. I don't know if you ever seen any of his stuff. But, uh, you know, it was, <laughs> I guess I found a project for you. He <laughs> was, he was like the Mexican Ric Flair, dude. Oh, wow. He could literally come in that ring. Him and, um, forget the dude's name, but like they had a match where they faced each other. They faced the Von Eriks. That was the hair versus hair match. And if the loser, you know, Whoever lost the match and Gino got his head shaved. Um, unfortunately, uh, there's some weird accident with Gino and Jake Snakes. Like, uh, there's a lot of powerful people in Houston. What I'm trying to get at is like Gino knew like when how to gauge the crowd, and and he was like, um, father was an actual pro wrestler in the 50s and 60s. And what's really cool is, uh what's his name, Bruce Pritchard said, you know, I was just a 17, 18-year-old kid, and this is on Dark Side of the Ring, but I also know Gino, a little bit of Geno stuff because my uh, 
my roommate has some tapes, uh, like VHS tapes of Gino Hernandez's match. And I'm like, for any wrestler starting out, watch his shit. Because if he was still alive, I guarantee you Ric Flair and him would have crossed paths. Oh, wow. Like, honestly, yo, like, Boogie probably knows who I'm talking about. Because he's like, oh, yeah, I heard the name. Yeah. He was a big fucking deal. Like, if he would have stayed alive, some people said that he probably would have gone into WWF, you know, with Jake the Snake. and Because uh, it's funny, Jake and him used to be tag partners. And he said right. Gino just had the ability where you have that natural charisma uh, to get the crowd going. So whenever I say to guys like you, I was like, bro, I didn't even know about your promo picture, and I feel guilty for doing this so it's like you should have done your research I'm like bro he looks like a fucking baby face yeah like I, I don't know like the feet that kicked on the I saw that on Facebook I'm pretty sure I gotta have to change the title of the episode cause uh, I don't want people knowing you well it's too late now I'm gonna have international listeners and whatever almost 9,000 all time listens but the point is you like you get like the feet on the computer chair thing or whatever your couch was like, if something like that green screened and the sunglasses on and have a cigar in the mouth and get up saying need this stuff, what are you trying to do? Get in my get in my perif- like get away from me. What are you doing? Yeah, you know what I mean. Have that cocky attitude like um, not so much MJF because. I love Maxwell to death. I can't, you know, he's great. He lives, he lives, yeah. breathes oh, yeah. in Um, The guy gets magnitudes of heat. And the one time that he accidentally became babyface was when CM Punk came out of the ring and said, is this for real? Right. Yeah. That, that, they're like, well, it's a solid work. I mean, I'm going to just basically go on a limb here. So you were hurt for a year and been working a year. Has there any been time in any match where you literally said, come on, guy, really? This is how you work? Do I owe you money? Have you ever had a match like that where you sat back and sit, literally said to yourself after the match was done, it's like, boy, I hope I don't work that guy again? Huh. Uh, I wouldn't say that just because some matches I was thrown into – um, being some of the guys' first matches, so I I take those with a grain of salt. I I try to let them. I try to make that match just as simple as possible. And even then, you know, it, there's a lot of room for error. Hell, there's. I mean, anytime you get in the ring, it's room for error. But uh, I just think I try to give everybody at least one. At least uh, one bad match, but um, I've I've been fortunate enough so far not to have like a complete and just total bad match. I actually I wrestled uh, Vinny Pacifico, uh-huh. and I we just it it was one of those nights we just could not get the crowd in it. And the match itself, I didn't think was bad, and I don't think he did either. But it was just one of those things where we kept questioning it after afterwards. We're like, damn, like, what did we do wrong? 
Um, so I haven't had, you know, the answer. I haven't had anybody to, where I say like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to work them. But I actually, I'd love to work Vinny one more time and just in front of a, in front of another crowd because I think we, I think what we did was, it was very simple, but it got the point across. You know, dude, it ain't you guys' fault. People are just so addicted. I'm addicted to my phone. Let's go to a wrestling match and get on our phone. We can take pictures with our phone. That's a yeah. You know, you're not going to stop people from getting on their cell phones nowadays because, like, even watching a film, I feel guilty for doing this. I'm like, I've seen this film a million times. I'll pop on the day after tomorrow and be like, wow, this is not fucking humanly possible. A wall of water hitting the city of New York. How the fuck? (laughs) I was like, wouldn't you think most everybody be washed away? But, oh, no, Jake Gyllenhaal and Emmy Rossum and her friends are completely safe because why? Who knows why? The director must have had no right. logic at all. No one can explain why wrestling fans, some of us, are ignoramuses and don't pay attention. And they they try and get – it's annoying when fans try to get themselves over at a fucking wrestling show. Did we pay to hear your yeah. commentary? No. Hmm. Let me give you an example. I've told this story a billion times. But – um. Uh, Chandler Hopkins was on the show and I told him I said the one thing that irritates me and will bring me PTSD moments after being through the ringer three times in wrestling the guy was sitting next to his girlfriend she didn't have a clue about what was going on and what irritated me was she said are they going to lay down the whole time I said are you going to shut the fuck up the whole time please dear they're going to lay down because there's in what you call a double down Meaning, these guys on the ground are whispering, or not whispering, gritting their teeth because they got Matt Mikes in WWE during WrestleMania. So, do you really want to hear Edge and uh, what's his nuts? <clears throat> his opponent, you know, talking out the sequence like Chris Jericho, drop kick. You know, right? I told that's one story. One, um, you know, and the whole entire time, the guy, I was like, when do you watch wrestling? Oh. 2019 and you ain't a fan you were not a fan come the fuck on with that shit he goes it's like oh it's a elbow this and elbow that it's like i don't care move names wise if you're a fan you watch wrestling cool beans man but there was a guy in new york at barclay center it was the night after wrestlemania 35 and there was a fight up on the edge of the ramp, and he goes, whoa, whoa, they got the babies with the babies and the, and the heels with the heels. And I perked up, and I wasn't paying attention to some of the shit. Because, you know, when you're on the other side of the curtain, you tend, you can't see wrestling the same as you used to. Right. You just can't. So the guy said what he said, and I perked up and said, what promotion do you run? And he goes, none. I said, then please shut your fucking cake hole Watch the show, and please do not ruin it for the rest of us the whole rest of the night. I don't care where you come from. But honestly, dude, you're bringing up PTSD for someone like me because I've been on the other <laughs> side of the curtain. And when I hear terms, it's like terms are meant for workers and workers right. only. Like that is a sacred ground. It's a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. It's a fraternity. It's a sorority, whatever you want to call it. Don't – I'm not trying to be the asshole, 
But I'm just trying to be bluntly honest. Like, if I'm sitting at a wrestling show, I really don't want to fucking hear terminology. I just want to hear people enjoy it, boo, cheer, whatever you want to do. But please, for yeah. the love of fucking God, if you traipse over the territory and turf of wrestling terminologies, enter at your own risk is what I tell people. Right. Because honestly, I mean, yeah, when we were fans, we didn't know what, how annoying the word, oh, yeah, this one, botched. In your humble opinion, when you hear a fan that literally <laughs> eats popcorn off of his own fucking fat folds saying, oh, yeah, that was a botch. He fucked up. There, I mean, there's uh, very clear botches, but then there's there's things where where a wrestler will actually, you know, some people actually plan for this shit. Like, mm-hmm. um, like for instance, something just as simple as me um, tripping Carrie Morton. Like we, he went. I went to do a drop down, and I tripped him because that's what I wanted to do. And and even some of the even some of the wrestlers backstage were like, Man, like y'all did a good job of covering that up. Like I know we did a good job covering up because it was planned. Like <laughs> there, <laughs> there's uh you know, and even because I'll um I can do like I'll trip you either you know, laying on my stomach or I'll even be on my back and, you know, just put the arm up. But, um, and then, you know, there's, there's people that they'll, you know, miss, miss the, the, miss the dive from outside. And they're like, Oh, that's a botch. Well, I mean, everybody saw it. You're right. I mean, what else, what else do you want to say? I'm going to say it's it's frustrating. Yeah, because the ones who don't take the time to go to the gym or, or you know, I've always said this to, to guys that, you know, agree. They say, this is our job. You know, we treat it as such. Some guys do it for a side hobby. Um, when they miss diets, like, okay, speaking from a dude who used to be called, uh, I call it flippy flippy shit, guys, the ones that can do like the, Maybe, yeah. salt or the dies or the corkscrew planches or the cutters off the fucking barricades like Mr. Guevara. You know, some people are like, oh, that's the greatest shit. I'm like, no, I bet you Sammy's neck and his fucking feet and his everything's going to hurt in the fucking morning doing that shit. Right. Because, like, Man, if you... speaking of Sammy. Oh. Hey, dude. I... I never... So... Getting back into wrestling when when I you know when I started training, you know, like you said, we look at it different. And I went from because Boogie's very old school. I watched a lot of old school wrestling, and I kind of got away from for a minute. This is why I got hurt, but um, I got away from that. I got away from the old school wrestling because I see all these new up and coming guys just, I mean, doing shit that you see in a circus. And, um, and, uh, man, when, um, you talk about Sammy hurting, you know, his neck hurts his back. Well, I, I remember watching 
it was just a simple. He just jumped off the top rope and took a super kick. And my man rolled his ankle some kind of bad. And I just, uh, man, I just, when you said Sammy Guevara, that's the first thing that popped in my head. The teeth. I mean, that man took off and then just rolled that ankle. That was, it's it's the simple things that you don't even think about that you can get hurt from. That's one thing I want to touch base with you, my dude. Like, I suggested earlier, and the hot topic now in professional wrestling that gets annoying is all get out. When somebody leaves a company, because it feels fucking forced, I told some of my friends about this. I said, y'all really like AEW. Cool. I like WWE. I like AEW. I like, every, I like Wrestling Revolver, which, by the way, my friend, if you ever get a chance to try out for Sammy Callahan's promotion, do it, because Zombie Burgers is one of the best uh, eating joints to eat before and after, and Sammy's a really good dude. And if you get on his promotion, you might open the door for Japan or anywhere else. But long story short... Um, I told him, I said, so I've got to get humble opinion on this. Not to be biased or non-biased, but when, if you're feeling like a job is not worth it and you feeling like things are forced, would you honestly want to stay in a company? Oh, no. Absolutely See? not. See? And I told him, I said, do you think right. Cody did the wrong thing? I said, no, because here's the deal. They are such fucking childish about this shit. Matt, Nick Jackson, sorry, my brothers, but I'm going to have to razz on you for that. Also, the fact that MJF has been the same shtick for three years, I love him to death, but Maxwell, you can live outside your gimmick. Just saying, because one of my friends had a cameo done by him, and they're like, wow, he doesn't really change character. Did you ask him to be in character? Because I always ask people, I'm like, do you want me to be Brian Rails or do you want to be myself? And they're like, what's the difference? I said, one's dial's turned up to 11, the other one's about a 5 or 6. And no joke. I've told Danny Cage this, yeah. and Danny Cage knocked his ass off about it. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, well, you know, he um, said to me, I said, uh, AEW, and this is my also question to you is like do you think that after three years of being in existence that they've they've definitely opened a lot of doors and 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 created a lot of opportunities for guys that felt that they were done with wrestling but i'm gonna say this nicely i said this earlier i said when you constantly bash and look backwards instead of look forwards company's gonna remain complacent and it's still it's the same shit dude from my opinion when they started in october 2019 to now bashing the WWE really, I mean, what is it doing for them other than, yeah, some of it's funny. Some of it is true. Right. But do you think that's a a harm or a help for them moving forward as a company? Well, let's, uh, let's put it this way. Like, you know, you see all these, all the releases and everything from WWE, but then you look at the revenue that they brought in. WWE doesn't give a shit what AEW thinks. Just because, I mean, they don't, like like WrestleMania, I was so excited watching 
both days, both days, actually. Now, in my opinion, I like day one a lot better, but both days I was excited. I, when they first had the card, I was just disappointed. And I was like, man, I, like, I don't know if I'm going to watch this, whatever. But then I, then I watch it and I'm like, holy shit, this was good. This was, this is exactly what, you know, sports entertainment and what wrestling is all about. It's, it's entertaining. It's, this is, this is great. So I don't think, and I don't want to, I don't want to compare WCW and AEW, but you get the same feels. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just don't. I just don't think WWE needs to, or or even cares that AEW's there. I I think that over time it's gonna make WWE even stronger, just like just like the last time, uh, because Vince is he's an evil genius. <laughs> it is it's it's scary how how smart that man is. At least I. I think. Well, let me tell you from experience of meeting the old man. I shook hands with him twice, and it's funny. He, he There's a story about my trainer. One time he was in the locker room. My trainer accidentally bowls into Vince. Vince he runs over to pick up Vince. He's worried that he's going to get not used in the show. He's like, young man, can I have more of that, please? And I was like, <laughs> seriously? Seriously, did Vince just? I was like, never mind. I'm not surprised because when I met the old man, uh, I love Vince because he shook my hand and said, well, what is your, what is your objective? And I straight up, you know, as a 21 year old kid, it's like a kid in the fucking candy store, you know, sitting in Connecticut. Right. I go, my goal is not just to be champion. It's to be the biggest fucking mouthpiece since Bobby Heenan. And Vince looks around and he goes, that's a, Pretty grandiose. Any other things that you'd like to accomplish, young man? Because, by the way, he said you might um, might put some inserts in those boots. Um, you're pretty, you know, for five nine, that's tall and you know it's short in the wrestling world. But right. at the time when they have guys coming in like Stu Bennett and you know the only other small guys outside of that, you know, Justin Gabriel's no slouch. Guys that were like 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". I came at a time, dude, when they would wake us up at like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning just to eat a hamburger by itself. And you're thinking to yourself, is this supposed to make me feel better or feel sick? And you're like, in the long run, you're like, okay, this will be a payoff. I got cut the first time around. Then I got invited back. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I have to do different? Well, by then, dude, 2013, it was one big, giant, you know, it's still a machine. But when people like Mercedes or Sasha Banks or Noel Foley and Ashley Flair come through and Eric Arndt and Colin Cassidy and all the names like Matt Polinski, everybody, there's so much talent in the pool that you have to, like, literally be your own shark. That's what I, that's my mentality, yeah. right? So, like, when I saw Eric Arn, I'm like, hmm, we're the same height, and we literally have the same fucking gimmick. 
What do I have to do to stand apart from these guys and gals? I can tell you a story, dude. Noel Foley, that girl always smiled, never fucking failed. And I would tell her, I'm like, so if somebody hits you, are you going to smile? I don't know. <laughs> Depends on how hard they hit me. I said, you are daddy's girl. I, I sorry. <laughs> that's, it's a true story and a funny story I'm going to tell also. <laughs> Sammy Callahan and um, Bill DeMott. Bill DeMott would go around, and Sammy Callahan used to be kind of portly. He lost a lot of weight, obviously. But uh, Sammy probably laughed his ass off. But uh, I remember being in class, and <laughs> Bill goes, well, you could be a real superstar with all the muscles, get all the girls, or you could be, you know, fat like Sammy. Sammy gets up, <laughs> and he'd been teased a lot. He goes up in Bill's face, and he goes, you know what, Bill? You're fucking fat. And I about lost my fucking shit, dude. We had to do bumps. And Norman was like, come on, come on, B-Train. Come on, Brian Rails. What you laughing about? I said, I'm sorry. I'm beat red in the face. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry. I got to take a piss. I might, I was like, if you have to clean up shit, and, and I was like, I'll clean it up with the mop. Cause I'm going to la- I'm going to piss myself laughing. That shit was so fucking funny. Because <laughs> Bill DeMott takes out his fake tooth. And acts like he's going to do something, lunges, and doesn't do shit. And Sam goes, yeah? What at it? You know, what have you? What at, you know, what is it? And I'm like, oh, my God. There's going to be a throwdown between the trainer and wrestler. This is going to be fucking great. <laughs> yeah, it's stories like that, dude, that makes wrestling worth fucking while. Yeah, AEW, um, I watch their stuff who, as a, as a journalist, I put a, you know, a fucking podcast, claim to be journalist, Heel Marks podcast, Jim Cornette, which, by the way, I got to ask you something. So you work with Boogie, right? He probably worked around Jim, didn't he? Oh, man. Yeah, the, Some of the stories that Boogie has told me, man, it's just, it's so cool to be around because it's, it's not a, uh, like you think of you know back in the day you think everybody's just like that hard ass whatever man but jeez like just some of the stuff what you would say it's just it's it's hilarious he told me uh, this isn't anything with uh, having to do with the subject but he was telling me him and um, which, who was it was it Volkov. No. Uh, I think it was Ivan. So they would they would go out and you know, they wrestled seven days a week. And you know, every night Ivan would be like, Hey, you know, bust me open, Boogie bust me open and Boogie was telling me, he said, Man, I, I got I got tired of doing it. So he would ask him, you know, did you bring the blade, brother? Did you bring the blade? And he never brought it. So <laughs> then Boogie finally finally told him, he said, all right, baby, you're going to the post. And he goes, oh bust him open in the post. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, the old school way of gigging, your middle knuckle on forehead. Yeah. guys. That's him on the forehead, and that's with your fingernail. Bite him. Do something. Get that fucking blood flowing. My my trainer told me it was Coca-Cola and aspirin. I was like, Coca-Cola? It's like it thins out the blood. I'm like, mm, 
Okay. <laughs> when you work Puerto Rico, holy fuck balls, man. If you say you was a heel, trust me, blonde hair, blue eyes, that gets the taricha, cabron. You know, or, <laughs> hey, cabeza mierda, which means shithead, okay? I got yeah. rocks thrown there. Um, fucking, they will take Home Depot buckets, man. They will put glass in there. I'm like, please, God, tell me. You guys, there's shields the size of your fucking thighs. You're going to try and block some of the rocks? Like, we'll try, Holmes. But we have no guarantee. <laughs> and Carlito's like, hey, you must be new, huh? I said, son of a bitch. I said, they come really like, Oh, man, my family's beloved here. You got to be hated here. I said, great. I'm the fucking heel. He started laughing. He almost swallowed his apple, all right? <laughs> I said, well, man, we're not working. Is you working with me? So luckily you off the hook tonight. I said, they're going to boo my ass. He goes, yeah, you're right, because you're not totally Puerto Rican. I said, I'm black, white, Mexican. They won't know the fucking difference. This is the same promotion that makes you wrestle in a thunderstorm. The Worldwide Wrestling Council. Yeah, Boogie will tell you. Puerto Rico, they do not refund them people money. They make their asses sit in a fucking typhoon. Or <laughs> lack thereof, and then you wrestle, and you're like swapping sweat over, you know, slopping all over the fucking ring, slipping and sliding, doing your bumps, and then when the pinfall comes, you're like, oh, thank God. I get to go back to a shower in a, well, hopefully a decent hotel. The view in Rico yeah. is really cool. I say Mexico would be a good spot. I got to ask you, man, so have you ever wrestled under a hood before? No, it was it was a thought, but it never really came to fruition. We, um, I, I did a, a combine at OVW, mm-hmm. and – um, and I got to, you know, I got to learn from Finn Bodie, uh, Al Snow, and Ooh. you know all of his boys. And I actually went with Finn, and we we had a Broadway match in in Las Vegas. Hmm. And that was a lot of fun. But um, one of the guys from OVW reached out to me, and he said, "Hey man, understand you're new. Um, if you want." Teeter the idea of, of, you know, working under a hood for a little bit. So that way you mess up, you know, Chuck Edwards isn't messing up. Whoever's under the hood is messing up, you know. Um, oh, I but, get it. The cover of gimmick. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, wait, you said Vegas, right? I'm a Raiders fan. So, uh, you must, <laughs> this must have been before <laughs> they moved to Vegas, but, uh, Anyhow, um, so, hmm, I'm pretty sure, um, because I know Bobby Heenan used to work territories, too. Right. So, he's probably got some stories about that, but, um, man, I got to say, dude, like, in wrestling in general, do you think that people overanalyze the shit too much and there's no more surprises, no more, like, like, back in the day when... Hall and Kevin Nash jump shit from WWE after the whole click incident and all that at Madison Square Garden. Do you think that like some of the the love for wrestling is still alive? Do you think, or do you think that it's become total like social media dominated? 
Yeah, I mean, I think the love will always be there, but but yeah, like especially with the Cody Rhodes thing, man, that that one kind of screwed it up for me. Um, I know, I know you have the AEW does a decent job, but and and with. Uh, you know, with social media, man, it's like you see you see who tries out for WWE, um, and then you have like a bunch of well, thousands, maybe even millions of rumor posts that ha- that pop up every day. It's like you know, so and so contracts up in a week. Like, will they be in AEW next week, or will they? you know, leave AEW and go to WWE. So I just, it's, it's definitely social media dominated, but, but there are still those, like those very subtle surprises that still keep, you know, keep people off their, you know, on their seats. I mean, I'm, you know, like I have a friend, she goes by granny Hulkster and she's one of those fans that like was told, um, by like Ron Simmons and and by Trevor Murdoch because Trevor had a seminar and she got to be a part of it and he goes if you're the heel if you're not rousing Granny over here you're not doing your job right Cause Granny's like she is a true fan man she is like one of the hollers at the heels you know and gets in their face and said you know Granny he goes he goes Trevor I don't know everything I'm just a fan he goes darling. You know more than most, which is honest to God true. And, I mean, she just – it's its funny because I've been friends with her for four years. And she got so much attention at WrestleCon. The godfather of all people. Granny Hulks, I like that. Yeah. Oh, I do remember. I just know how to brain fart. Okay, so – you went to control your narrative for a seminar today. What was that experience? Oh man, it was awesome. It was it was very cool. Um, so EC3 is, I mean, I'm going to put him up as one of the top uh, people to cut a promo. He just he just always knows what to say, and it's, it's amazing. Um, so I got to, you know, I got to work with him for a little bit, and I'll actually be back with him this Saturday. So, you know, hopefully stuff happens, but if not, it is what it is. You know, there's always, there's always next time. But uh, now EC3 man is a great dude, um, and very very knowledgeable. As that is. Uh, that's for sure. I love what he's doing with control your narrative too. It's he's uh you know, breaking away from from corporate wrestling, which you know, may or may not need it, but it's a nice nice little uh refreshing deal he's got going on. I think it's cool because he's one of the kids that came from obviously you know impact and people forget him like you guys gotta right. understand his origin did not start in NXT. Hunter right. yes connections or had you know connections with Sammy Callahan. A lot of people don't know this. 
not breaking the fucking fourth wall for those <laughs> for the person who just said that allow me to introduce you to a boss who will feel like your friend at times and feel quite annoying and when William Regal was in there dude let me just say this that man also will you can pick his brain and he's such a simple uh individual to talk to and William Regal has been doing this since he was 14 years old so right. When he was aligned with Triple H and he saw us, he's like, you should contact us, you know, about EC3. I looked, you know, because I visit the Performance Center every now and again um, because they feel it's a, you know, really cool thing to see what it's become because when it started out, dude, it was a game show. And anyway, so long story short, EC3, whenever he gets on the mic, you automatically are drawn in because it's yep. his tone, it's his presentation, um, his, whether he's a heel or fucking face, he just has that natural aura on him that will just make you say, okay, I'm going to drop everything I'm doing right now. I'm going to put all my books, my notebook down, my pen down. I put my phone down, which is, you know, a big thing because phone is a big deal, man. I'm addicted to that piece of glass and plastic, let me tell you. Yeah. When, he, when he spoke, dude, at a takeover in New York, all of us paid the fuck attention. It was amazing. It's like a, you know, a priest doing a sermon at a, at a uh, church. You know, he has that natural speech, God-given ability called gift of gab or silver tongue, where yeah. he could convince you to sell uh, ice to Eskimos. He's probably laughing his ass off at that, but... Um, no, I mean he's he's pretty, he's pretty cute. Uh, cute. Damn it, man. Sorry, I, I have the speech impediment myself, but um. Okay. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Adam Share also nice dude. Um, you know he came up to my friend. Oh, and I got to mention something cool about Austin Aries on live air. Um, I'm pretty. Were you were you there when he was there? Or did he not? Was he not a part of the seminar? No, he wasn't. I actually I met him. I had a show in Bristol, Tennessee, and I met him. Uh, He was getting ready to – well, him and Davey Richards had a match. And uh, that was was very cool to watch as well. We got to meet Rhino too, so that was another another cool thing. Let me point out something really cool that he did for a friend of mine. Uh, He's the son of Gary Hulkster. His name is Anthony. Um, my, my friend explained to Austin what his situation was now. He had like a spectrum of autism to him. And, uh, it was pretty cool because normally he charges people $20 to take a picture with it. He took the picture for free, which most people give him a bad rap because of his past shit that he's done. But I, you know, it's like he has such a bad stigma on the internet. I don't give a fuck what people say. Unless I meet you in person, I'm not going to be a judge of you. But, you know, right. when I when I got to R&R with him, he, I said, dude, you know what you just did? He goes, yeah, I took a picture. I said, no, you took a picture with a kid that was like, he's high functioning. He's a high functioning autistic uh, kid. He's my age. But, like, to do that for a fan and you have already a bad reputation, that's a good thing. And he goes, oh, he goes, you're a nice, you're a nice guy. And I said, not being serious. He goes, really? I said, yes. 
You probably did something nice. You didn't even realize it, bro. Like, I mean, there was a person there. I'm not going to name names. He's like, you ever go to these shows? I go out to Northeast. I said, no. And I'm going to, before I mention this nicely, I reached out to him a few years ago to be a guest on my show. And you can turn me down. You can say yes. You can say no. From prior experiences, I said, bro, you're missing out, bro. I've had Travis Flip Gordon on my show. I've had Big Bang Ronnie Nicole. I've had Brian Pillman Jr. I didn't say this to the person, but I said, you know, to act like you've never seen me before is an insult. Or act like right. you don't remember messages is an insult to me. I don't care. These guys get a thousand messages. I don't care about singular message. What I care about is I reach out to this person a year and a half, two years ago. I meet him in person because the deal was I had to watch one of his matches or two or three or four, and I watched about six or seven of them on YouTube. He wrestled against a dude that I do not personally get along with, and I'm not ashamed to say it, Eric Arndt, Enzo Amore. I, don't, I, I can respect him on a professional level. He carried a gimmick for two years, and then it fell flat on its face. And shit happens in wrestling where you know a guy, and you don't, you know, I don't know. What, uh, what I'm trying to get at is, I met this person to control your narrative. I'm not going to name names to remain professional. But please understand, if a fan reaches out to you nicely and doesn't harass you or sexually harasses you in any kind of way, shape, or form, be a nice, be a nice person and be at least say, no, I'm not interested in your show. You know what he says to me, dude? He goes, it's nice that you reached out on here or through here. And I'm thinking, wow, what a fucking slap to my face, dude. Yeah. You could have easily said No I'm not interested Or B you could have said Why are you messaging me through Facebook Most of the people that want me on the show Message me through email But no That's the one negative about controlling I don't know did you meet Jake Logan No uh-uh. It was uh, So at the time it was just um, uh, Father and and EC3. Oh, Fodder's a good dude. Oh, dude, I love him. Man, I actually, so I met him um, at a Dr. Tom seminar. And ever since then, man, me and him were close, man. That's, that's my boy. Fodder has great psychology. And yeah, the fans weren't paying the fuck attention somewhat. And then they were. And I told Jake, I go, Dude, you know, you wrestled a good dude and fodder was smiling. I said, what are you smiling about? And they were giving me shit at the table. They're like, hey, Jake, I have his autograph. Ryzen, I think it was, the dude with the devil horns and the eye contacts, you know. He was like, I'm going to rip your autograph up. I was like, go ahead. You know, I can always get another one for 10 bucks. And he's like, dude, are you being serious? It's like, <laughs> you can put the supposed shoes of I'm a heel on, but I said, when you wear gator tight, leather, white leather, you know, Michael Hayes type jackets, brother. Let me explain to you, amateur. I know what I'm talking about. And they all started laughing. I said, see, I lighten the mood when I can. How you, how's it going? And they said, that was a bit Enzo Amore. And I said, hmm. You mentioned Satan's name. How dare you? They laugh when I say and add the S out of everything. 
I used to think once upon a time, dude, oh, I wish I still had the picture. I had my hair gimmicked up to me. This I, I never doing this again. I gimmicked my hair up so long, dude. The hairspray lady's like, what the hell? I was like, can you have your hair supposed to like cut my hair a little bit? Look like Statue of Liberty on one side and NXT on the other. And they're like, well, we'll see what you can come up with. It actually stuck during the entire match. And I was afraid that it was going to fall out or start fading. <laughs> No, bro, this thing, when I hit the buckle, I'm like, wow, I can feel the hairspray. <laughs> and Enzo goes, oh, bro. He goes, that was fucking awesome. I was like, what do I owe to pleasure? And he goes, well, I was just complimenting you on your hair because, I mean, I thought that shit was going to fall out. I said, for once, I agree with you. I thought the shit was going to fall out, too. He's like, how did you gimmick it? I said, a lot of fucking hairspray, bro. A lot of fucking hairspray. And hair dye. I, I When I took a shower, you could see, like, the black and the gold. I was like, my feet are going to be black, but okay. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, it's going to take a few days to wash this shit off. Thank God I don't wrestle like Matt Riddle. I, I got to ask you a question, sure. dude. Have you ever wrestled someone barefoot? Because my trainer said, what would you do? I said, I'm going to stomp their toes. Like, honestly, that shit irritates the fuck out of me. Dudes who wrestle barefoot, more props to you. But eventually, you're going to stub a toe. Or, or, I say this nicely, like, Matt Riddle, God bless you, dude. You're the only brother I know in wrestling outside of Rusev that can pull off that gimmick of wrestling as a true you know, amateur wrestling, MMA background wrestler. I what's your take on that? Did you, would you know how to work it? Have you worked a dude like that before? Well, um, so I, I have amateur background, but I, uh, man, I, that is taking what you know and applying it to, to the sport of professional wrestling to a whole nother level. And I love it because that's what you're supposed to do. You know, if that's, if that's what he's good at, which clearly it is, then use that to your advantage and, and, you know, make that part of your, of who you are. I, I think of um, my character. I don't think of it as, as a gimmick. I think of it as me, uh, just, you know, cranked up as much as I can and then a little more. Um, because, you know, I, you can tell that I'm not I'm not an asshole, but I just, um, you know, I need to be for my, you know, to be, in heel, to be a heel. And I do certain things just like I'll – somebody and I'll give them I'll give the fan just this shitty and grin it's like mm. you know hey uh, I told you I was going to do this and you didn't listen and you know of course you let the baby get that shining a little bit and then you, you cut them off and there goes the smile you know I'll, I'll start the smile for a little bit and then you know baby gets back up on me whatever and now I'm pissed now you flip that switch whatever but I think that um, I do. I, I love I love Matt Riddle. I love the the stuff that he does. I didn't get a chance to uh, see him at, at Monster Factory, but um, but uh, just watching him work is it it's pretty cool. Um, 
and a fun story. Yeah, Matt is uh, he's super tall and lanky, but he's like skinny, like scuscular, like skinny muscular. And yeah. was that was that in the Vol show with a friend of mine? And he's like, "Get off your phone, bro!" And I was just like, yeah. "Wait, wait, Matt?" He goes, "Brian." So yeah, we was classmates in 2011 at Monster Fest. Okay, and that <laughs> kid, like, uh, you know, not 2011. My bad. Let me fast forward a few years. Matt had short hair, not long. He was he was a UFC product, and let me tell you, right? I it was fun doing you know stuff with him, like Tommaso. I watched a Champa match like the. And he's like, you seriously going to do that, bro? It's kind of gnarly. I was like, I don't care. I'm the fucking heel in the match. I'm going to bite your foot. And he goes, bite my foot. <laughs> That's kind of gross. And I'm like, you wrestle the shoes or you wrestle barefoot? He's like, I, uh, it's like MMA, my man. He's like, you learn a lot of shit. You learn a lot of holds. It's the same as wearing shoes, except for I use these tootsies for my own damage. It's called being fucking gnarly, man. And I was just like, wow, he really is the stoner gimmick. He really is laid back as that dude is. That's him. And um, That's awesome. Like, honestly, man, like, the experience, Danny said, well, what would you, what would you have, any, do you have any regrets looking back? He goes, no. He goes, honestly, he's like, um, he goes, looking backwards is not my MO. He's like, I've always wanted to move forward and be a better person, you know? And it's like, I want to tell a story about Matt that's personal. Um, when he had that incident with the whole Me Too movement came out and he was accused of allegations, and then you have Nash Carter recently going on, you know, and I don't like talking fucking politics, man. I That's the schoolgirl fan shit that really irritates me, but... Right. When Candy said, well, he forced me to give oral uh, oral sex to him and blah, 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 and I was trying to be quiet. The minute she said I was trying to be quiet, I was like, I'm going to steal a line from Bianca Belair. Girl, uh-uh. Like, if you was, like, being forced yourself upon by a dude, wouldn't you want to wake people up, wake people the fuck up, and, like, get as much right. attention as possible, Right. So there was somebody right, holding yeah. the using WhatsApp, using WhatsApp. This is a conversation between her and uh, Matt's wife. And I'm like, I, I said on the show, I was like, I'm one of those people. I will let the person, I'm always the person There's two sides to every story. Right. And when people overreact, oh, Matt Riddle's trash. Uh, I can't believe I'm like, but you all ain't listening to two sides of the fucking story. I'm not trying to discredit her, but her, like, when she tells, like, three, four different stories, I'm I'm allergic to a few things. I'm allergic to dust. I'm allergic to seafood. But most importantly, I'm allergic to people's bullshit. When somebody comes out with three different fucking stories, you already in my bad book because, or on bad side, because that's like saying, okay, cool. You told one story where he forced himself on you, and then you were like, I don't 
want to I did not want to wake people up like no offense but if you really like have an infatuation with somebody just come out and say it right just be like you know what I mean and she prolonged it and prolonged it and Matt handled it most professional way he could ever he's like I'm not one to jump to conclusions I'll let things ride whenever they ride so uh yeah that was some fun shit dude so like Matt's a cool dude. I met Damian Priest before he went into NXT, and he's like, wow, there's some stories you could tell during promo class. He wasn't being sarcastic. He was, you know, I told him some of the personal stuff. And Danny, like, I guess the biggest compliment coming from Danny Cage was, I thought you were the most nervous-looking individual, like, when you about to do the promo, when you got started. He goes, that was very good, but he goes, it was a bit uniformed, a bit WWE. <laughs> I said, Danny, funny story, um, I was here, and he goes, oh, yeah, he goes, you're the kid that quit after five weeks, <laughs> and I was like, thanks, he goes, I remember, he goes, so arrogant or whatever, but then he goes, you changed a lot, that was the class with, dude, Les Thatcher was there, Hurricane Helms, uh, Rudy Gonzalez, I mean, they had, they had a big name like, okay, Lady Frost, before she become big, she was there. Um, like, a few tag teams were there, too. But anyways, long story short, my man. Um, I got to ask you uh, one more question. What is your stance on the LGBTQ wrestlers that are openly gay in wrestling? And, and how do you perceive them? Uh I don't really have a problem. I mean, it's just, I like, you know, wrestling is wrestling, man. This is, this is all about, you know, entertainment. This is about just, you know, being yourself. If, if this is, you know, if that's what somebody wants to do, that's great. Like, uh, so I don't, I haven't, I've never met the guy, um, but I love what Dylan McQueen does. Um, and I believe, so I've heard of Effie and I've watched a couple of his things and I, I don't have a problem with it at all. I like, it's very entertaining. It's, you know, it's, it's what you want to see. It's, you know. Yeah, dude, I feel comfortable talking with you is because you're not like some wrestlers, um, name feel kind of uneasy. Like, um, like, some people, when I told him, I said, what's the weirdest thing you do? And he said, I go out of my way to humiliate these people through Instagram. I'm like, okay, I understand that these people are weird, you know. And I, I told him flat out on the show, and this is, I'm not going to name names. But he said something similar. Like, the guy asked me, like, foot pics or what my foot size was. And I said, dude, um, after he got done, he's like, and I go out of my way to humiliate those people. And I'm like, okay, but what are you gaining from a personal perspective? If you go out of your way to humiliate, that doesn't make you look good either. Right. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so the person has a thing for, uh, hands or feet or nipples or whatever the fuck, or, uh, in your case, they wanted you naked, which I found hilarious. I was like, really? You could have just come out right and said, hey, why don't you strip naked? I know you're going to say no, but worth a try, right? I find that shit funny yeah. because 
once you say no to these people, it's like, I said no. Do I need neon light saying, I is not interested. Please come back at a different time when I'm not going to turn my sexuality into your own fantasy. You know? That's that's the joy of being a pro wrestler. Like, honestly, bro, you looked at me when you sent me your gimmick pics, like, hmm. Blonde hair, blue eyes, not bad looking, probably a baby face. Boy, did I judge the wrong book by the wrong cover. Because I have a feeling <laughs> you can pick up a microphone and just, I'm pretty sure your promo, I haven't heard you promo. I am, you know, I'm pretty sure you're like one of those, you got the country twang to you. So kind of like not tre- not quite Trevor Murdoch, but um, you said you like you love Stone Cold. Most people don't know this. He does not. He does not give a shit what the crowd thinks of him. He just wants to wrestle, and right. uh, it's it's funny hearing him in his book saying, "I really," he goes, "Honestly, he goes, I love you know in people, but he goes, honestly, man, he goes, I'm not just doing this for my own sanity. He goes, I uh, I just enjoy wrestling. You know, that's that's a passion. He's supposed to play yep. football. He's a tall guy, meat hooks for hands, big physique, you know." And he even said one time Brian Pillman approached me and he goes, I would, I, he goes, we got to think of the finish kid. And he goes, what are you fucking talking about? He goes, I'm a solo wrestler. I love wrestling solo. Who knew Austin could wrestle also as a tag team? I mean, that's one thing. I've got the first opinion on this. So do you prefer solo or do you like tag team wrestling also? Oh man, I love singles wrestling. That is, if, if I could do that, Every single show, that'd be great. But you know, some people they they want to pair you up with, you know, with just that's that's the that's the one thing I don't like that much is is being paired up with someone that I I meet, which will it's you know it's gonna happen and that's fine and I can I can uh, you know prepare for it. But um, when they pair you up you know, last second, they're like, hey, uh, y'all two, and you're wrestling them. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of throws the wrench into the fucking thing when the promoter's like, by the way, your team was so-and-so, so-and-so didn't show their ass up tonight. And you're thinking, okay, I'm game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always, I'm always down for it, but it's, uh, the singles aspect of it, just, it's it's awesome. It's because, you know, the spotlight is only on you too, and I, I don't, I am not a fan of um, the smaller promotions of tag teams because, well, with throwing two two people together, just because some people may not, you know, may not really understand how tag team wrestling works, so. They're gonna sit in the corner and they they're just gonna be, you know, they're just watching. They're not part of that said tag team. It's just, you know, like they don't get into it. Like, you know, their partner comes up with a, you know, if he's a heel, comes up with, you know, he's watching his partner do the dirty work and you know he's laughing, he's having a good time, they're in the heat, and then boom, here comes the comeback. You're like, oh shit. You know, but, but like I said, you have the people just sit there and watch and like wait. It's like 
being that robotic uh, partner where where it's like, oh, yeah, now I have to get my hand ready for the hot tag or, you know, whatever it is. But, yeah, singles wrestling is, is definitely definitely what I want, what I'm more comfortable with, for sure. All right, so I know the shows we never talk about. Enough talk about wrestling, my friend. We're going to get into the nitty-gritty beyond-the-tracks portion of this show, so we ain't going to play music. I already did that at the beginning. So um, I've asked about weird moments. I'm going to continue on that turnpike, if you will. Um, have you ever had a moment at the gym where you're like, that was weird? Have you ever been approached by another person and you're just like, sorry, not my cup of tea? Um, thank you for the flattery. I gotta get going now. And is it, you know, have you ever had someone at the gym talk your ear off to the point where you just put headphones in and they don't, still don't get the hint? <laughs> have you ever had, uh, have you ever had that moment at the gym where you're like, is this person seriously staring at me in the locker room? Like, what is their deal? Well, I've, I've definitely had the talking. Um, <laughs> I did bodybuilding before before I did uh before I decided to train for wrestling and I ended up um you know getting ready about about a month or so away from my show and you know people come up to me and at this point I need to be locked in um and I need to just be hitting on all cylinders because I want to get you know every bit of my workout in and you know I, I was under a time or on a time frame for everything I needed to do, and just people come up to me, hey man, you know, looking good, like, you know how how much longer do you have? Blah 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 blah. blah. I want to get into it. What do I do? This and that. So the in the the two minute conversation turns into ten, turns into fifteen, then I'm like, All right, brother, like <laughs> yeah. it's 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 time. It's time you let me go back to what I was doing. But um that's really the only the only thing. It's um I haven't at least that I know of, haven't had anyone hit on me in the gym. <laughs> I think it's I have one of those uh one of those faces that just if I'm locked into something, it just it looks like like I don't want anybody to you know mess with me. But um, and then uh, there's been a, there's been a few locker room incidents where just I I it's more more so from the older guys like they don't give a shit what's going on. They just they just get naked and just go about their business. And it's, you know, it's, I guess it's the locker room for a reason, but it's like, like all right, man, you know, it's, it's, I have a little common courtesy. Just kind of wait till you get to the shower instead of, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just letting it all hang out. Oh, man. I think that is the truth, though. I mean, <laughs> you go to the gym, people are like, mm, okay, I'm just going to be on my business. Some guys are like, oh, I got the towel on you know it's like or I don't you know I'm fat and flabby myself so I, I you know a bit body conscious myself so I put a towel on this dude pulled it down I shit you not he's like oh hello there and I go get away from me and he goes 
well, aren't you uh, spicy, sassy? And I'm like, I'm going to say what's a bit spicy, sassy here in a minute. With my foot so far up your ass, you won't be able to breathe. And I'm gay. By the way, I don't find you appealing at all. You're gross. You're fat and flabby like me. And you're in a public place. Please understand, dude. I appreciate the fucking flattery. But son of a bitch, the gym is not the place to be picking up dudes. Right. They're like, wow, for they it's funny. Most people who talk to me are like, You're gay? It's like, wow, your gay dar didn't go off the minute you saw my playlist. Like, I gotta ask you, my friend, are you like do you have any openly gay friends that you commiserate, hang out with, chill with, talk with, like have phone conversations with? Uh no, but honestly, scheduled being how it is. So I will normally this is how it goes. I'll work my shoot job, I'll go to the gym, I'll come home, watch wrestling, well, study film if you will, and I'll call it a day. And that's that's Monday through Friday. Then Saturdays are whether I work my shoot job and then I'll travel to whatever promotion that I'm booked at and um, same with Sunday. So I I really don't have much of um, much conversations with anybody. Yeah, right now it's I've been locked in this year. Honestly, it's just straight straight focus, which is great. But um, no, not that I can think of. Well, you have one right here. You can say you have one. That's me. Hey, yeah, that's right. Yes, sir. That's because they like, let me tell you something. This is going to sound really funny. All my straight friends are like, this dude got us some really good fucking tail last night. I said, uh, yeah, dude, I wouldn't brag about that. Why? Because your girl's standing right there. And they said, oh, shit. And I said, they, if you listen to me, they're like, what is the benefit of having a gay friend? We don't just point out wardrobe and what to say on a fucking date to a woman. What I can benefit you from is like, okay, if you really want to just ask her, and the guy's like, really? I go, yeah, dude, if you have a girlfriend, cool, but if you're asking me to get you a girl, okay, here's the fun part. I'm the best wingman I've ever known, okay? Why? Because I'm not interested in whatever, so I basically I'll close my door here in a second. Okay. What I am essentially is an ears to listen to guy. If you're feeling not only depressed, but like, hey, what should I do? You know, as far as you know, advice to go to a wrestling league. Okay, go to Danny Cage or go to this school or get your name out there because that's the simplest thing to do as a wrestler. I've had a couple of people, dude, that on my show ended up a year later. Brian Pillman Jr. AEW, Big Bang Ronnie Nicole. She's famous in her own right. She's been through Japan. She runs her own shit. Travis Flip Gordon, a year after he was on my show, Ring of Honor. I didn't have anything to do with it. You guys do. You guys are the ones that are putting forth the effort and making yourself known as a wrestler. So I'm not a trophy, but as your open, first openly gay friend, let me tell you, you're the, like one of the nicest dudes outside of the dude that I have on my show and the other dude named – I don't know if you know the name uh, – well, his name's Luke. He wrestles in Tennessee. 
God damn, Luke Cage. Do you know that name? Okay. Huh. He wrestled in no, Nashville, I, but I've had him on show like uh, twice. Okay. But if you don't know him, cool. And I said, he, one of the people actually do popped on Instagram was like, do you think you can convert him? I said, dude, I don't go around witch hunting straight to straight wrestlers going, oh, by the way, you know, you should really try a dude because it's going to be hella interesting. No. <laughs> and then Luke was laughing his ass off because what exactly did they say? I'm like, this is going to sound real embarrassing on air. But they want to know if I can get you to do something sexual. Oh, yes, I can fake orgasm on air like the best enemy like Howard Stern show, but I'm not that type of podcast. So, like, nice try. Um, but no, Luke's a good dude. Uh, let's see who else. Oh, okay, so outside of wrestling, what kind of music do you normally gravitate towards? I'm all over the place, honestly. It's, uh, you know, from rap to country to rock. Um, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So, like, but all, overall, like, dude, who was the musician that kind of, like, helped you through grade school, high school, like, helped you get through some tough times? Which musician do you go to the most on your playlist? Mm. So... It's gotta it's gotta be Kanye. It's Kanye and Drake, honestly. Well through so back in back in uh back in school it it would be it would be the little Wayne. But um it's not like nowadays I wouldn't go and pull up Lil Wayne. If it pops up in the in the shuffle, it stays on. But um you know, and even same with Kanye too. If Kanye pops up, it stays on. Um, but those are those are some artists. Uh, and then like there's a there's a couple people like Luke Combs. I'll listen to uh, the country guys and just I like older country too. It's it's oof, man. It's it's a tough it's a tough thing. I was just turning into some fuck music, dude. Like, I come from New York, so I'm going to be that guy that I've told people before. I'm like, um, I was a kid in Camp Mariah, and they're like, so you listen to her music all the time? I said, no, actually, I listen to a lot of variety outside of her. And they're like, do you not like her or something? I was like, no. I actually, when I was a kid, it was my sister and I would have the option of going to church camp or Camp Mariah. And it's a camp for inner city kids to let us know that we have options in life. And right. uh, it was, most people think she's a bitch, but let me tell you, um, that myth is gone and dusted over because there's one year where there was a blackout in New York, but then the power was like, uh, she went to a deli to get some hot dogs. She went to get hamburger buns, Belveda cheese, Rotel. Uh, pizza dough, s'mores, stuff like graham crackers. This woman went out of her way to make Camp Mariah for like alumni like Saisha Mercado, myself, um, other people who've been on American Idol through her camp. She went out of her way 
to get stuff during a fucking blackout. Okay, Jeez. and the power is like she's like it's raining, so it's kind of a blackout where Cat Mariah's in Fishkill. She's like, but we're gonna get some generators and we're gonna get this show on the road. She's actually the most down to earth human being that you will ever meet in your life. So when I tell people, I'm like, I like her because not only her music helps me and stuff like, okay, musicians like Janet Jackson or DeBrat or like uh, Tupac Shakur is a big one for me. I always say, like, you can't, I obviously made the mistake earlier in the show, you can't judge a book by its cover. A lot of people thought Pac was an asshole. Nah, man, the real skinny behind that was Suge Knight. He was the one influencing him to hate Biggie. He was the one getting in Pac's ear, like, you don't need Eazy-E anymore. He's not your friend. He's just a, he's just a piss on, he's a has-been rapper. Like, okay, you know. When you said I will listen to anything that's in, so you're like a eclectic listener, like you, so you can adapt to it. what's the, what's the music though that you cannot absolutely stand that you're just like, man, I'm gonna turn this to the next song because I cannot stand this shit. Is there any genre that you absolutely mm. hate? Uh, I wouldn't say I hate it, but it's it's something I'd rather not listen to, and it's like. Um, more of like, so I'm cool with heavy metal, but when it gets to, uh, when it gets to screamo type, I'm not the not the biggest fan with that. And same with, so another spectrum is like bluegrass. I, I would be, I don't see how people how people like bluegrass. To be honest with you, brother, that's me too. I I honestly do not see how that genre made it into the wave of music and and just like as a spectrum I'm like how can you sit through you know a whole bunch of stuff and I'm just like honestly um outside of music so if uh, I'm going to go back to wrestling just on a tidbit here if you had any wrestler current past or present who would you you know who you wanted to work against and what venue would it be in? What event would it be in? Why? So we pick any wrestler from past or present, dead or alive, to wrestle against at the biggest, grandest stage in the mall in Japan, America, Mexico. Who would you wrestle mm. against, and what venue would you choose to wrestle inside of? Yeah, this is uh, this is tough. Okay, let me give you a choice. Uh, <laughs> All right, let me give you some choices. Ultimate Warrior, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Brian Pillman, uh, Hawk, Animal. Let's see who else I can think of. Oh, Honky Tonk, uh, Jake the Snake. Let me see who else. Rey Mysterio, uh, Santa Guevara, MJF. I just list off guys here, but I'm going to, okay. Right. Eddie Guerrero, Benoit. Let's see. Uh, who else can I think of on this list? Hmm. Lance oh, yeah. Cade. Yeah, you, you definitely, uh, you, you pulled one out. That was, so I was, uh, I would, I would love to wrestle if I had the choice to wrestle Chris Benoit because that right there, is the type of wrestler that I want that I would um, 
if I could give myself a move set, that would be it. I would go right to his, right to his tool belt. Um, so, so a match with him. Yeah, man, just just that aggression. I I loved it. It always something. Yeah, dude, him and Kevin Sullivan beat the hell out of each other. I was, man, I watched that match with Bash at the Beach. Some people don't know that that was a legit shoot because I guess oh, yeah. he was beating he was beating up Nancy real bad, and I guess a friend of mine said, "You know that's a legit shoot." It's like I have Asperger's, dude. I don't know if people's being serious or being for real. So like, honestly, goes with I asked him, I go, I am gonna sound like a retard here as I'm new in wrestling. He said, "Is is that match?" a work or a shoot and he goes dude are you do you have, do you even have to ask i said no i don't know the backstories man i'm new right. like well that was a legit shoot on kevin sullivan because kevin was beating the ever-living fuck out of nancy so benoit he fucking bashing the fucking eardrum and bashed he broke his eardrum so i was like wow yeah. that's insanity dude no, but like, so you said you like Benoit. That must mean you love Dynamite Kid too. Yeah, I'm as I watched a little bit of Dynamite Kid, um, but the match that I would watch over and over and over and over is was uh, Dean Malenko and Chris Benoit. That was oh, man, uh, dude. that's a, definitely something yeah. for me to watch just to learn like. Just to be just as technical as possible, man. Those guys, yeah, it was great. All right, so if you had to, I'm going to go off wrestling, and I love this because it's the On the Tracks. It's an unexpected show, On the Fly, which we messaged each other. You said you love questions. So if you had to choose a date between following women, and I'm gonna, I don't know very many modern women, so forgive me, okay? But if you had to pick a date between these following women, let me list them off, okay? Halle Berry, Janet Jackson, Mariah Carey, Gabrielle Union. God, I know, I'm not going to list Jada Pinkett Smith. Uh-uh. Bianca <laughs> Belair, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Taya Valkyrie, which she's already attached. Sorry, Taya, but I had to add you in there. Mickey James. Gail Kim, or let me see who else I can add in here. Oh, okay. I'll add a little touch of, let me see here. Oh, okay. Shania Twain, even though that's that's an old school name. She's a taken. Uh, if you had to pick from the, 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 let's see here. Oh, who else can I list on the list here? Uh, no, Sonia's off the list too. Naomi's off the list. Damn it. I'm running out. Okay. Riho. <laughs> uh, let's see. Ruby Soho. Uh, Britt Baker. Jamie Hayter. Bunny. And I think I'm going to stop there because I don't want to list out all these women. But I have no utterly clue. But if you had to tick, pick and go on a date with any of those females, who would you pick and where would you take them? Hmm. So I am going to keep it respectful for my co-working women, and I will go with Holly Berry for sure. 
Okay. Now, oof, where to take her? It. So, I'm a country boy, kind of. We're gonna we'll put it like that. So, I would I would take her fishing, and then after that, then you know we'll go to. Well, <laughs> then we'll be all dirty, but it doesn't matter. We'll go to. We'll go to a restaurant around here called La Caretta. It's a Mexican restaurant where apparently, now I'm I'm not not the judge of it, but apparently it is the best Mexican restaurant ever. So we'll go there and then, you know, we'll call it a night. We'll call it a night. I'll be I'll be the respectful gentleman that I am. You know, being mixed, I kind of laugh. It's like, wow. <laughs> Some people are like, I don't care what color preference. Like, I know my friend, uh, well, not friend, the confidant. You know, people are like, doesn't matter. I don't see color. I see love. And I'm like, I'm glad you is because I'll blink me saying if I had to pick a date between, they're like, who'd you pick, one of us? I'm like, okay. Picking a wrestler <laughs> might surprise you. They're like, well, who would you pick? Who would you pick? I was like, dude. No, there's too many good-looking dudes in wrestling to pick from, but it's funny. Um, now that I've been put myself on the spot, if I had to pick a wrestler to take a date out or out on a date, hmm, that's uh, – they're like, Darren Young is like, oh, come on, that's cliche. He's already gay. It's like, that's funny. You didn't pick your own kind. I was like, um, we draw the line when you said own kind. And I said, okay, fine. I'll pick uh, the Miz. Why? He's tall. He's athletic, and he's funny as fuck. I like funny dudes. And I think, you know, like, where would you take him out on a date? I was like, oh, I'll take him to LBs because it'd be funny as they. um, Actually, my my boyfriend's probably laughing his ass off, but Loki. (laughs) He goes, who's the Miz? And I was like, oh man, this ain't gonna work. (laughs) He goes, what do you mean? I said, when my hand goes up, your mouth just now goes shut. And he goes, oh, I see how it is. I said, Dude, it's, it's a wrestling thing. You wouldn't understand. And uh, it, it's kind of funny because it's like, well, who, I go on a fantasy date with. It's like, I don't know. You don't know wrestling. He's like, well, can I see their pictures? And I'm like, oh, my God, this is funny as shit. So he goes through, he goes through, and he picks the Miz. I'm like, you can't pick the same guy I am. He's like, oh, want him for yourself? It's like, damn right. And when, unlike you, my friend, the take home, be a gentleman thing ain't a fucking thing in my world. He goes, why? <laughs> I said, I'm fat and flabby. You do the math. He's like, you're not fat. You're beautiful. I said, I pat him on the head. I said, you're pretty. I said. You don't know me, do you? But anyhow, so you like out of all those women you pick, Halle Berry. That's a very interesting choice. I've actually I have a fun story to tell. I met her at NostalgiaCon. She's pretty okay. cool. Yeah, she's pretty cool. She's like, why would she be there for the TV show? They have random guests, dude, from random shows, and she actually did guest appear. They have the cast from Family Matters there. They have the cast from Boy Meets World. So do you consider yourself one that goes to cons or, like you said, you don't have time, but if you had to pick a con between Comic-Con or 
any nerd con, do you, you think you go to one of those things or that interests you at all? So I don't know if this is, would be considered a, you know, a type of like con or anything, but if I could go to, uh, go to the E4 releases, those would be awesome. That's considered a convention like setting, dude. I mean, like as long as they have, like tables and setups and opportunities where you can take pictures and autographs. It's like WrestleCon is basically a huge convention for uh, yeah super, the super fans, right? You know, um, right. So uh, let's see here. Favorite shoe brand? Do you prefer Nike, Adidas, uh, Vans? Eh, I'm just you know. I'm just guessing because, like, me, I prefer Nike Dunks. I prefer, let's see here, like, formal wear. Like, if I'm going to the beach or whatever, they're like, do you wear sandals or flip-flops? I'm like, oh, that depends because flip-flops are annoying because if you're trying to run on the sand, it gets caught and your thong breaks. (laughs) I said I've had that happen, like, a few times. (laughs) But do you prefer... Uh, Nikes, Adidas, or what's your favorite brand of sneaker? Uh, let's see. I'm looking over my shoes to see if I have a certain pattern, but it's looking like Nike. Um, there's, uh, there's a couple things that, like, I swear Nike just, they're just on top with it. Yeah, bro, like, have you ever heard of the brand? Nike Dunks. Yeah, the uh, like the Hyper Dunks. No, I'm talking about like the brands that are like the Riddler, the Joker, Batman, Superman, SpongeBob. Like these things have designs on the side of them with the Nike logo. I'm sorry if I opened up a whole can of worms oh, and cool. created a whole new monster, but bro, they have. <laughs> they actually had certified G, Nike Dunks, and I'm like. Yeah, I ain't going to get those, but uh, they had one that had the WWE logo on one and an AEW logo on the other. And Stefan Diggs, I think, got in trouble for wearing AEW cleats. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I was like, man, Nike don't really hold back, but I'm sure we're on the beach, because I know we both come from a place that has a beach, right? So... What yeah. do you think more traction, the slides or the flippy flops? Oh, slides, man. I got to go with the slides. Them have better traction, let me tell you, because I have gone through flip-flops like fucking underwear. It's not even funny. What do you mean? I was like, we're men. We at one hole, we're going to keep it until it falls apart. Okay? Oh, yeah. That's just, that's just how we are. Like... <laughs> Why don't you think about sandals? You know, you should think about slides. I'm like, why the fuck do you think I wear slides instead of that shit? Because it's so weird to have something in between your toe, right? So my friend goes, right. he's keeping sand in my face. I'm like, I don't know how the fuck you manage, Vinny. He goes, what do you mean? I said, how the fuck can someone wear shit on a boardwalk? Because this, you know, okay, Coney Island. Have you ever been to Coney Island before? I have not. Oh, my brother. Oh, my friend. <laughs> We must bring your ass to Coney Island if you come. And if you, like, this is the guy, like, okay, 
They have a way you can go on the beach. The water is nice and cold and shit. You got to you know a few reefs, whatever. Uh, then you have Nathan's. I know you heard of them. Oh, yeah. I got like the chili dog and the uh, frog legs and the all, you know, like the Philly cheese sandwiches, the cheese whiz on the fries, whatever. It's one day where you can have a cheat day, whatever. I always tell my wrestling friends, like, one of my friends, Luke Langley, uh, well, it's not friends, but wrestling uh, acquaintances, if you will. He said, finally, I was like, I went to, I was like, hey, you're in my neighborhood. You're only a couple miles away. He goes, shh, don't tell anyone. I said, what am I, a, an embarrassment? He goes, no. He's like, I finally went to Coney Island. I said, you had a fucking cheat day, didn't you? He goes, yeah. He goes, I feel like I'm going to not hurl, but I can sit down with all the food I just ate. I said, let me guess. You had a chili dog and the fries with cheese whiz and chili on it. How did you know? I said, because that's what a first-timer always gets. (laughs) It's just, you can have all the conditioning you want, but when you go see... Nathan's sitting right there, and they only are open till a certain time, so it's really fucking hilarious how some people soon forget. Uh, Oh, okay, so you've never been to New York, have you? I've been to New York. Um, I have uh, family in New New Jersey, but, um, yeah, I was in – when was I in New York? I went to New York – Right before New Year's. Oh, boy. You went during the frost. Yeah. Yeah. Your phone will freeze, my friend, out in that cold unless you got your... I was told, put it on your thigh. Why? Because we have enough high rises to sink a ship. Okay? And that cold air, when it comes through, it ruins the fucking phone. It froze, dude. Like, it, my phone literally said, at 4%, let's get phone warm till it be in use or something. Because I have a not crappy-ass iPhone, right? <laughs> and it was walking around hmm. the old, you know, like where the new World Trade Center mall is. And my phone all of a sudden goes, 0%. I'm like, what? How is that humanly <laughs> possible? What the fuck? And my friend goes, just put it on your thigh. Just put it on your thigh because your thigh has heat like well yeah i know i'm packing what's your point you just put just put it on your fucking thigh and i put it on a charger put it on my thigh and i was like wow go fucking figure right so you've been that means you must you went to the touristy part didn't you Times square yeah um the uh at the time it was still kind of covidy so uh, there wasn't there wasn't that many people there, um, so that, I got to kind of have the quick the quick tour. Oh man, you missed out, my friend. It must take you to a Yankees game where you can sit in the bleacher creature section where we give you a roll call. You can have like <laughs> a sweet person that make Yankee custom jerseys. So we could put like, uh, what's your favorite number? I have to go seven. Yeah, we can put number seven on the stitch and put Edwards on the back. Since that's your wrestling, you come out wearing a Yankees jersey in the crowd. Bada boom. <laughs> Biggest heated yeah. fucking hated person in the room. How's it going? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, 
So anyways, to wrap this up, you have social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Would you like to tell anyone listening out there, like close friends, family members, or even fans who know you already, how they can reach you on those social media handles? Oh, man. Well, I've got Facebook, which is just Charles Carroll, and then Instagram is Charles C ninety three, which I need to eventually branch off into my own uh, separate Instagram, Twitter, Facebook for Chuck Edwards. But we'll get to that when we get to it. Oh, my friend, I can help you with that if you want to be seriously. I can pop ideas and stuff, uh, like Linktree. You got a Twitter, right? I do, but uh, it's your personal I gotta one. I got to get back on it. No, I just, uh, I don't even, man, I don't even use it. Eh, you might need to if you want to network EC3. That's how a friend of mine, uh, like, they message, I mean, he tweets out stuff in his matches and shit, Kurt Gannon. Uh, he's probably like, did you mention my name, man? Well, he doesn't talk like <laughs> that, but. People used to tease us that we were the Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar of the group we used to be in, which we don't speak of much because they were a bunch, not all of them, but some of them were a bunch of fucktards, vanilla midgets. Sorry, I don't hold back, man. I'm not trying to be unprofessional here, but, you know, I'm going to speak the truth. No, I'm going to speak the truth because it's like this. I said, oh, so we're like uh, two famous guys. Thank you for referencing our uh, not, you know, we're not fame, but, you know, if you're referencing us as Heyman and Lesnar, that's pretty much a compliment if you tell, ask me. Uh, anyways, man, wow, we said we was going to talk an hour, and I talked your fucking ear off. And, yeah. and brother, you can now tell you, well, I wouldn't go around saying, hey, I found a gay one. <laughs> that's one mistake one of my wrestling friends made. He goes, I, and he's like, oh, he's the greatest dude ever. And the coolest thing is, man, I made a gay friend. I'm like, you make it sound like I'm a trophy or a deer head you put on the wall. Thanks a lot, douchebag. He goes, oh, man, you know what I meant. I said, yeah, I know what you fucking meant. But that's funny, dude. I, I enjoyed having you on my show, brother. Um, we got to wind down because we don't have like 12 minutes of after time on this sh- uh, here show. If you want to come back, you're more than welcome to. I'll invite you again, and we'll set up a time. But uh, thank you, dude, for being on my show. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Chuck Edwards, a.k.a. Well, now you know his real name. I had to edit the fucking episode. Thanks a lot. No, I'm just kidding, brother. Um, (laughs) All right. Well, that was Chuck Edwards from... Firestar Pro Wrestling. Be sure to check them out. And where can we where can we find you? And which promotions should the fans be looking for you? Oh man! So the next next match coming up is is this Saturday, April sixteenth, in Burlington, North Carolina, where I will be wrestling for ALW American Lucha Wrestling, and. I'll be there next week as well, April 23rd. So in the meantime, just, you know, keep your eyes open for my Facebook and Instagram. Good old promos and 
get ready to watch me kick some ass. Oh, and win some championships too, brother. Because if I was your manager, I'd be piping up saying, hey, give this man a fucking title match. And if you don't, you're going to be seeing at the other end of my foot because it's going to be up your ass and you're going to be brushing teeth with my fucking toes, okay? Yeah, so damn right. Yes, yeah, like, and if you did like what good old Brian Rails had to tell you, and Chuck over here has got three words for you. And I pipe the mic over to you and you say, forget about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right, dude, for reals, I, I sorry I talked your ear off. I didn't mean to blab so long, but, you know. Yeah. That's I right, like, brother. You know, I appreciate it. This is probably a good conversation. You could have easily said, all right, we can stop this shenanigan, you know, after a half hour, an hour. <laughs> for an hour and 42 <laughs> minutes. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> Um, well, I'm going to message you on Facebook after this, if that's cool, okay? Yeah, that's cool, brother. All right. Well, that was uh, Chuck Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, checking out April 16th, April 23rd, ALW. Get your tickets. Go see this man or else we're going to strangle you to death, okay? You understand? Thank you. Good. It Got it. Good. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, to continue on uh, this crazy thing we call professional wrestling, but a wonderful guest on the show. He's got a bright future ahead of him. You should check him out. Sounds like, you know, not just a real piece of work. No, this is really cool. And we conversated for longer than I thought we was going to conversate for. And uh, like I said, normally I don't, not going to play out the show with, um, you know, a normal wrestling tune. But I'm going to, you know, for everyone that's going through their stuff. I'm going to play a song out for the outro. Okay, it's from the Tokyo Dome. This is the only time you will hear me play her consecutively twice. This is a wrestling podcast, guys. Forgive me, but you know, for the people that is going through this shit right now, um, for all the heroes that come in our defense and and make this known. So the song is well. I'm not going to play songs, brother. That's not... We're just going to play outro, okay? Cool, B. All right. We got the cue. Right, for all the heroes out there, in, uh, FDNY, NYPD, um, the people in Metro Transit that tried to keep together, um, for all the people that we lost, and for all the people that tried their best, you guys are true heroes, so I'm going to play this track out, all right? And it's the first time I'm going to let the track play all the way through. No, I'm not... A, no, I'm not hot night and seven every day. That's my word. So, no, I'm not swimming with women in their own condominiums. Five, six, I'm going to stop. So, for all the heroes that uh, tried their best, and sometimes stuff is out of our control. So, to all the heroes out there tonight, thank you. This song is dedicated for you, and I know... Again, this is a wrestling show, but just for tonight, we're going to break that barrier, okay? Thank you for all your services, okay? The people going through shit, this is for you.
Good night, kudos, bitches. I gotta get my beauty sleep. So, and uh, should we play an outro? No. Okay. Well, that'll do for tonight. Take care. I love you all. God bless and cherish those. Hold on them. All right. Love them. Be there for them. And in this hard time, just know there's always gonna be for every dark night there will be a brighter day. Thank you all for listening and have a good night from Beyond the Tracks.